0: We ready to go, guys?
1: Yeah. Are we ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: It is Lightning and Holman. It's the truck show podcast, and we are on the scene today. We are live at Banks Power in the city of Azusa. This is our first uh, remote podcast. I know, and we're doing it from a conference room. We are, which is probably
2: why it sounds weird to you guys, because we actually unbuttoned up our entire studio, took all of our cables and equipment, and brought it here. We've uh, heard everybody loud and clear. You want to hear from the man, Gail Banks, and uh, I know we teased him a while back, and we got a lot of hate mail saying, "Hey, what happened? You said Gail was coming on, and we told you about music night and all that good stuff." But guess what? We brought the podcast to Gail, so <laughs> he's trapped. He couldn't get away.
3: So all this <laughs> talk about me taking a dirt nap just <laughs> didn't happen. No, it didn't. It didn't. What these guys did not bring with them is the padded walls. Yeah, you know, and it's not a sound thing. It's just kind of, kind of. Contains them, you know, <laughs> when they go off on a tangent.
0: <laughs> who, who, us? Yeah. 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 yeah, I think he's talking about us. He's the only oh, other man. two dudes in the room, exactly. Yeah. Before we get into the show really quick, we've got to thank our, uh, you know, our, our big sponsor, yeah, Nissan. Holman, tell us about about the, the new surf truck, surf wagon. What are they calling it? Explain yeah, it. the me. surf cam, the Titan surf, surf camp. camp. Okay. So,
2: uh, you guys remember a few episodes ago, we had David Page on uh, from Fluid Peak Collective, and he was the guy who's done a whole bunch of Titan concepts for Nissan. And uh, he said that he was working on something cool. Well, we know what that is. He took a uh, Titan XD with a five liter Cummins in it and they outfitted it for basically uh, camping, fishing, surfing, anything you want to do uh, right at the surf line. What does it look like? Uh, it's cool. It's got like sort of a, uh, a blue motif with like waves on it and the sunset. And uh, it's got some racks. So it's got a spare tire up on top and it's got a batwing awning and it's got a, a uh, rooftop tent, it's got a paddle board, all this stuff. Uh, it's basically fishing pools stuck in the front bumper at the surf line. It's basically the vehicle that I could see myself in vacationing, uh, you know, in Cabo or somewhere in Baja California for a week and uh, being totally self-sufficient. So this is a one-off. Oh uh, yeah, is this, this is going to go production. No, it's a one-off. It was just a, a fun exercise to kind of show the versatility of the. Uh, why of does the Titan.
0: Nissan? Why do they enjoy teasing us? Uh, that's just what they do. <laughs> it's not cool. It's not cool. They keep they keep doing these projects. It is if cars. You're Nissan. Yeah, it's well, very that's cool. true. yes, yes. Yeah. If you're in Nissan marketing, and
2: yeah. if uh, and if you're into Cummins, you're gonna like that.
0: Does well, I'm, I'm
3: actually looking over Sean's shoulder
2: and. It looks badass. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh,
0: pretty cool. we got to post a picture of this at Truck Show Podcast.
2: Yes, at Truck Show Podcast <laughs> on, uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm
0: just saying it's because it's the same everywhere.
2: Yeah, no, no, it's true. We, we were actually able to, one of the reasons people go, well, why'd you choose the Truck Show Podcast as your show name? Because it was available, it was available. everywhere. <laughs> Let me get this straight. It's the truck show. Yes, at the Truck Show Podcast. Yes. No, it's not. It's, no, it's, at, not. Truck show it's podcast. at Truck Show <laughs> yes, Podcast. But it's the no, G- Gail threw us a uh, yeah. a curveball. It's uh yes, it's the Truck Show Podcast, but the socials are at Truck Show Podcast. There
3: you go with no the.
2: With no the for the socials. <laughs> the V the is silent. Now I'm so confused. Sweeping
3: up after these guys, I, I see where this is going for the next oh, hour. half. No, sorry no, about no. that. Yeah,
0: no. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. Yeah, no. we're, we're just
2: we're out of our element because we're in your conference room right yeah. now, <laughs> and uh, we're, normally we're swilling uh, Dr Pepper well, and chili dogs. I, I screw up in here too. I mean, well, I oh, just, okay, we're in good company. company. Well, <laughs> all
3: right, let's get into really the show. Yeah. You ready? Okay, go.
0: The Truck Show, we're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with The Truck Show, we have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel, and the ones that run on gasoline. The Truck Show, the Truck show the truck show oh, oh. it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman
2: yes it is, is it episode 19
0: oh my gosh we are on 19 Dude, does not it, it feel like we've done a lot or does it feel like we haven't done 19 it does definitely not feel like we've done 19 that is bizarre yeah and uh i think we didn't feel like we were going to make it past number two so are we going to have like a 25th episode special, because no, I don't, we, I don't so. know if we're going to last a nah, 100. That's, you're jinxing us. <laughs> no, nah, we're just going to keep going. If we ever hit 100, then we'll have, like, you know, like like sitcoms do where they have that big 100th anniversary yeah. party or something. And then there. what
2: we'll do is we'll find all these celebrities and, and people in the automotive industry who wouldn't come on our po- podcast before that will suddenly decide that we're important enough to come <laughs> congratulate.
0: <laughs> so, dude, I mean, check this out. We have the man, Gail Banks, with us right Wait, now. the. The. The Gail man. Banks, the, yes. Not, not yes. just Gail Banks, it's and, the and, man. In Gail Gail. interest of full disclosure,
2: Gail and I go way back. We're good friends, and we have a Standing, uh, well, I guess meal. So it used to be breakfast. Sometimes it's lunch every two weeks when we're not busy. And uh, and right. Jay, uh, basically has his paycheck signed by Gail these days too. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> and we're old friends. And, yes. Yeah. 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 And we uh, honestly, we've uh, been planning on having Gail on for at least like 19 episodes now. So well, we record on <laughs>
0: Tuesdays, and and Gail goes to jazz typically on Tuesdays yep, right. or other big shindigs yeah. that we're not invited to. Right. No. No. Yeah, that's
2: not true. Oh, I've been invited. Oh wait a minute! You both been there. <laughs> And and when we uh, say when we say he goes to jazz, it's not just like you know a bunch of old fuddy duddies sitting around listening to like an old Victrola or something like that. These are like professional. Musicians that have done the scores for movies and things like that. And Gail has been kind enough to invite us to listen to them perform live in a friend's basically. Well, it's like a basement, except it, o- it's, it overlooks the All city of LA. It's LA gorgeous. Is, oh my gosh. And the room is made for music. And there's what? How many people, musicians? Like it's 10 a non-ed. or 12? It's nine. Oh, nine. Yeah. Oh. And there's yeah. everything. I mean, you've got, you've got, um,
0: geez. This, this is the type of room that. If you didn't give a lick or didn't know anything about jazz, you would be, you'd sit there with your, your mouth agape going, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, there's it, piano, it me yeah. there's
2: sax, there's trombones. There's... Although you don't
0: have a tuba. They don't have a tuba, No tuba. We've been talking about a tuba. A tuba would be awesome.
3: <laughs> Tubas are getting hot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but you've got the vibes, right? Yeah. There's... You've got Lolly on the vibes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so if you don't know what the vibes are, that's a cool, that's a cool instrument. I I have no idea. Is that what it is? Vibraphone, is that the correct name for it? She has
3: serious chops. Yeah,
2: way cool. And she's hot, too. Well, there's saying. that. Yeah, no, i just saying. She's a great musician. <laughs> yeah, that, <yes. laughs> Not that our wives are listening. Yeah, exactly. right. Um, right. My, mine, I, mine, actually might she be. Might be listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, I think we're 19 episodes in. She doesn't care anymore. She like heard the first three <laughs> or four one Yeah, that's cool. I, whatever you do, it doesn't. I, I don't it's
0: it. weird that our moms do listen.
2: My mom. My mom listens. listens yeah. yeah, it's so it's it's yeah. odd. She, she gives me uh, uh, criticisms about. Uh, I can't believe you said that. Why would you do that? never hey that was a really great show and i learned a lot it's just like you embarrass me as my child (laughs) i'm "I'm sorry mom i'll try and do better and then i usually have like all my fingers and toes crossed when i tell her that so that doesn't count right
0: my (laughs) mom is just so perplexed by what we're talking about she's just i have no idea how many liters that engine what that means (laughs) what the what a bypass valve is what it is and i'm like "Mm, i can't help you but she's she's trying to stomach it for her son (laughs) it's kind of neat yeah yeah it's amazing so enough about us we have Gail Banks in the studio and <laughs> this is our studio by the way. Yeah, well, right. Because we're in the, conference, the room. conference room. Gail wow, so much to talk about. You have been um, as as Holman said earlier, guys who have been listening to this podcast for since we started have been why you why hasn't Gail been on? And a lot to talk In that to voice, about. too. It's amazing. Dude,
2: do they say <laughs> like, yeah, exactly know, like Why that.
0: have you not been on?
1: <laughs> I've been overdoing
0: <laughs> Corolla. <laughs> oh, and
3: uh, by the
0: way, we've, we we'll, we'll bleep that. We'll bleep <laughs> that. We don't. We've, we've spanked Adam a few times. Yeah. Not his big podcast. No, no, but, no, but, but the, the Car cast. cast. Car cast. Yeah. 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 yeah, I
2: actually have pictures of, that I've taken of the iTunes chart, yeah. where well. we've been above him, and I'm like- Hey, Lightning, dude, be Carolla today. Yeah! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm loving it. Little victories in life. Hey, did you know that we're now the number one uh, truck enthusiast mm. podcast on iTunes? I did not know Seems that. Seems like but... a lot of qualifiers, yeah. but it, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is.
0: So I want to take it back a little bit, and you guys probably know Gail from his work with Diesel Performance, but that's not where it all started. You kind of became that over time. You seized an opportunity, which we're going to get to. But I wanted to kind of back up for, for maybe some of the younger guys that know your name but don't know really what you're about. How did you first start? How did you get going? It happened with a Studebaker? It ha- Like, what exactly? Yeah, how happened, did you become it, 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 the Turbo guy?
3: There's a lot of steps. First of all, <laughs> I'm a native of Hollywood. I was born in Hollywood. And I grew up in the 40s and 50s. All these guys came back from World War II and started building speed equipment. The speed shop thing was huge. And a lot of those guys were my mentors, so to speak. I'd hang in the speed shops, etc. But it was a social thing. In Southern California, sun year-round virtually, open cars, roadster guys, and coupe guys. You know, you had two crowds. You had the pre-war guys building deuces, etc. Then you had the guy running cars from the 40s or into the 50s, and a lot of swapping uh, starting. My mother blew the head gasket on her 40-horsepower Model A, and my old man said— Was she hot-rodding
0: it around or what? No, hell no. No? Okay.
3: (laughs) Or or was that That's why I almost laughed when I said blew the head gasket like she was—no, no. no. So my dad said, fix that and i was like 12 years old and i said sure yeah you know? <laughs> so i got the the cylinder head off the car now
0: wait a minute it's, you, you see really were you you were 12 at this point yeah and so what what, I mean, what experience 19, did you have 1954. Hmm? what experience did you have how did you know to just start cranking you know or wrenching i
3: i did stuff with my dad and his buddies you know at that time we were, were building a house up in uh, near crestline above san Bernardino. Mm-hmm. i'd go up there with the old man every time he was an L.A. cop, no money. All his buddies would come. He used all kinds of reclaimed stuff, windows and sinks and st- stuff. They were tearing down a lot of old homes on this beat.
2: And what's what's interesting, set the stage a little bit for maybe the younger generation, is is you hear all these amazing names if you're into hot-rodding Offenhauser and Edelbrock and Holman and Moody and, I mean, think, you can think on and on and sure. on. Sure, Gale had a speed shop, and I'm sure he'll get to that. But in San Gabriel Valley, at the, at the same time, all that was going on. And so really, from my perspective, is, you know, Gail's sort of like one of the last of the living legends who were there and were part of that scene, legitimately part of that scene, and at the very beginning stages of hot rotting. Mm-hmm. And so to know Gail today and and to see the impact he's had on the industry, the impact he's had on the sport... And all the things that you're doing today, I mean, you, you're you here at work every day. You're answering phone calls every day. You're working at huge meetings, all these things. You haven't changed at all. And, and I just want the younger people who are listening to the podcast to really understand that when you hear Gail and you hear stories, really put yourself in the perspective that he was part of this, still is, but he was one of those original guys who was there with the speed shop, who was there hot rodding, at the very beginning of hot rodding, it's not like he came in and you know has been around for thirty years. No, Gail, how, well, your business is how many how many years old? This, this is, year? is my sixtieth. Sixty years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. So yeah. I think I wanted to kind of preface Gail's comments with that, so you can really set the stage and understand like how awesome and what a what really what a treat it is for us to to talk to you and and have you well, you know some, walk some us something through else this.
0: too. It's it's what attracted all those things attracted me to Gail. Um, and I'll explain how I know Gail, but. He is more relevant today than maybe you were in 1958. Meaning that you're more engaged on social media. You personally, not your staff, not yeah. me, not the guys. Like no. you yeah. guys are out there going, "Oh, I'm on Facebook all the time." Not as much as Gail. Right, no, right. I'm telling you, this yeah. dude is so engaged. When Gail answers it, it,
2: on Facebook, it, it. it's actually Gail answering on Facebook. I have, I have people <laughs> wondering. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so, the,
3: the, the point being that I'd be on Facebook more, but I'm having a creative first right now <laughs> so when that happens
0: uh, and he means that yeah. he's inventing performance parts like legitimately out in the CAD room and literally literal electrical engineering he's like no no change this he's on yeah. the whiteboard erasing the other guy's <laughs> crap he's like no this is how you do yeah, it and and that, Like, oh, that one junior engineer's going oh crap I should have taken a picture of that before <laughs> after, yeah, that came, man. after being in business 60 years <laughs>
3: I've gone through generations <laughs> of, of guys Yeah, yeah. You, you know we have well over a thousand graduates Wow. A lot of them. That's amazing. Yeah. we do. Wow. And a lot of them are really instrumental elsewhere, like Peter Tridy at, yep. at SEMA. SEMA. You know, there'd be one. Uh, I've got guys uh, at SpaceX. Yeah. You know, designers out of my design group
0: Well, designing be, rockets. Let's be frank. So, you, you've had guys that have worked here and have gone on to start other com, uh, competitive companies. Oh, yeah. So that speaks volumes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They, they learned enough here yeah. to go launch a successful company. Well, Yeah.
3: So the thing about being a hot rodder uh, has always been being distinctive, doing something somebody else didn't do. And I kind of got towards boats early on too. You know, the first engine I I sold uh, was an Indy engine, a Studebaker V8 double overhead cam uh, engine from the early 50s that they commissioned or backed, and I think uh, the Agajanians were involved in it. famous indie racing family. And I was quite aware of it because we had some cats out here from the 20s and 30s, Harry Miller and Leo Gusen and then Fred Offenhauser who worked for Harry Miller. If you're an Indy guy or aware of the history, California engines and California built roadsters dominated Indy for decades. I mean, it goes clear back in way into the 20s And comes probably up into the mid-70s or touching on the 80s. So, you know, it was Miller's engines. uh, Front drive, 91 cubic inch straight eight in 1928. Won the race with a one and a half liter straight eight, supercharged and intercooled with a crude intercooler, making 270 horsepower on methanol in 1928 out of 91 cubic inches. That's amazing. You know, and you go... These are the guys from the 20s and 30s. They were like gods to me, but they were like gods to all the guys. You know, all the guys that came back from World War II had eight or ten years on me in, ter- in terms of when they started their businesses. A lot of them started their businesses in 47, 48, 49. Well, my first sale was August the 16th of 1958, and that was the DOHC Cammer Studebaker V8. Amazing. So I had I had found, through a guy named George Sally, who I think his cars won twice, uh, he was a car builder down in uh, Whittier, I'd found all the parts necessary to assemble one of these engines. A lot of the parts were rejects, and I, I welded them up, repurposed them, did whatever I could. But I wanted to be a guy like Leo Goosen. Leo Goosin drew the engines for Harry Miller. He drew... The engine's for Fred Offenhauser. He designed the engine, the Ford engine, that one Indy, the V8 Cammer. This guy did the cylinder heads, front case, oil sump, everything for the Studebaker program. And in my outer office, I have a, a section through an Offy four-cylinder, you know, a b- literal blueprint done by Leo guzin which I'm s- so proud to have. Wow. So the point is, this, this guy who was just an intuitive engine designer, was kind of a formal guy, but if you were around him, you realized he was just cerebral as hell. He was pulling it out of his own brain. So building that engine was a big deal to me. What was an even bigger deal is selling it and putting it in a 33 Plymouth Coupe for a guy and getting 1100 bucks in 1958. And that was my seed money to go out and buy more machinery and build more engines.
0: And who so, was who was that first uh, who was that first customer?
3: A guy who had inherited some money from his grandmother by the name of Brucato. Just Michael. just just what? a dude off the
2: street, or was he? No, he he hung out in my garage. Oh, I see. So how how <laughs> yeah. long was it before you made your second sale? Right. So you made your first sale, and you're going, hey, there's something here. Somebody wants my stuff. W- did it take a while, or did the next no. guy come pretty quickly? Once that car was
3: out, and, and uh, we were in Linwood at the time, so. That was that was kind of a hotbed. The garage door opened onto Imperial Highway, uh, and I mean it's a big, wide, concrete street, like four lanes wide. You could drag race up and down that street. And Imperial
2: basically went the whole width of Southern California through LA and the north part of Orange County, and Mm -hmm. there are hot, you know, hotbeds of
0: activity in certain city areas, Bellflower Boulevard. Was another one well, uh, i don't know the history behind that gail why why here why whittier why pomona why the south bay what was it i know it was the weather and all that stuff but I, there it, were be,
3: groups of guys uh, you know yeah you had the glendale burbank that group out yep. that way the san fernando
2: valley the norwalk santa fe spring guys and then you had the linwood southgate mm-hmm. compton i think a lot of that, it had that that's do. where i started but this wasn't happening know. in texas that no, I'm of, be, you know what i mean because all of the machinists were here the, the aircraft, aircraft assembly ah. so from World War II because the machine was the here. Lockheed Skunk Works, Yes. All these all that rats. all of that knowledge yeah. of how to machine things and make things perform under mm-hmm. pressure that were learned during wartime was now basically being transferred if you will technology transfer of soldiers who are now becoming civilians and they're taking that knowledge base and that acumen they learned in the military and putting it in their hot rods and in their cars back in the civilian life. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> did, did not so, know. Yeah, knew how to machine, knew how to weld, knew how to
3: form tubing, knew, knew how to cast things. Uh, it, it was really hot. But what was the motivator for us all, we thought that if we had a hot rod car, we were really kinks with the women. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I went to high school and I, I, I literally, I, I sold that first engine while I was in high school, you either walked to high school, which was cool. Or, or you rode a bicycle, which was not cool, <laughs> because to be motive and be cool, you had a car, yeah, and it could be a twenty five dollar box right, right. <laughs> but but I'm telling you if you had wheels, cows wanted a ride now it's different today, it's way different today. It seems to me women seem to be less interested. In your car than you think they are. <laughs> and, they're, and,
0: they're not easily
2: but back impressed. Then, I was, yeah. I, not I was, anymore. There's yeah. so many more <laughs> impressive things out there now than our cars. Well, well now, you know what? I,
3: I was talking to Leno about this a while back.
2: By the way, Jay Leno is a good friend of Gale, so when he says Le- Leno, it is actually Jay Leno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We should yeah. talk a little bit about that because you've actually done a bunch of cool stuff. Well, with then Jay, I finish but... the story
0: first. Don't interrupt the man. <laughs> <laughs> what was the story? See, see what you did. You just derailed him. For me, it's the tank car. Oh, we're just, now we're on Leno. Well, well yeah, 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 you were talking yeah. about Leno when you was yeah. talking about girls and women. Yeah. And, 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 so
3: I'm over at Leno's, and, and, you know, you think of Jay as a comedian, and he is, but to find things are funny in life, you have to study life. And if you study life, you know one hell of a lot after a while. And Jay Leno, you wouldn't think it because he's so damn funny and clever, but he's a cerebral dude. He's really a thinker. So I'm talking to him, and I'm going, yeah. I'm looking looking at future products, and I'm looking at, I guess it was the millennials at the time, you know, the current generation mm-hmm. type of thing. And um, how do I reach these guys? These guys, you know, we grew up in a time that was less mechanical. They're less into cars, this and that. Well, what do I do? And he says, do something for their cars that their girlfriends appreciate. I said, what? He says, yeah. If the chicks dig it,
0: they'll want to do it.
3: And I just rocked back and went, dead on, Jay
0: Leno. Dead <laughs> on.
3: I did, you so, know, so what is just, that?
0: What is that magic item?
3: Well, if you're in Southern California, it's got to be something green and socially acceptable
2: and all that jive. I reject that totally.
0: Yeah, I reject that as well. It's not, <laughs> that's no fun for the dude.
2: Well. Uh, that Women w- just aren't that important. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, but. <laughs> there's a, Wait, let me try it again.
2: There we go. There <laughs> is a
3: huge. Uh, oh, rim shots. now we go. Oh yeah, we got oh, rim, yeah, we got a rim shot. shot. We didn't even do yeah. your intro.
2: Not the good intro. The just
0: the basic. Well, intro. I don't. We. I don't think we. Did we decide which one was his? Well, there's three that can that can apply. I. He's is he pull up a stool. Pull up a stool. Or you or be is, innovator. I think he's the innovator. Is he the innovator? But I'm not sure which innovator. I think it's not the death metal one. You sure? I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell which one is on my screen. <laughs> I don't know. I oh, think. Oh man. Here, here we go. Oh,
3: uh-oh. Uh-oh, oh no! Oh, no. no. Innovator,
1: motorator!
0: Truck show! Innovator! Motorator! Truck show! Innovator,
3: That's the one!
0: <laughs> truck
3: Perfect! Truck
0: show! Truck show! <laughs> truck show! <laughs>
1: truck show! show! <laughs>
2: Man, that hurts my throat.
0: (laughs) Are you sure he's not the other one? Uh, No, uh, I don't know. Let me see if I can find the one here. How about this one? You're the innovator motorator. You're the innovator motorator. You're the innovator motorator. Thank you, Matt DeAndrea. Are you out there, Matt? Step on. Yeah, Matt from uh, Corolla's CarCast. Yeah, Carcast. yeah we, he calls himself the uh, the moderator. Yeah, we may we Matt may we might have him on, right? We yes. Want to talk
3: about that? he's he a cool. Said, he, he, he's he's said, a he's yeah. a cool chat. Matt is a D'Andrea is a cool
2: guy. So yeah. so yeah. good. We got we got the intro out of the way because okay. I was like, oh oh man, we we did, but we have a better. We have now a, it's official. Well, we have a segment later with you, so we'll, we'll okay. hit that toward okay. the end, uh, and we have a treat for you on that one. But um, so I I guess my next question is why turbos. And when did you get into? Because really, your career, at least the majority of it, you've been known as the turbo guy. Whether it's marine, whether it's gas, whether it's diesel, mm-hmm. you've always been the forced induction turbo guy.
0: What's interesting though <laughs> is that a lot of the diesel guys just know him as the as diesel, de- guys. The diesel so guy. But he does all, way more than that. I know, but he's he's been through so many different yeah. kind of genres and yeah. owned them, and then moved on. Right. Yeah. So, so let's go. Let's my, stick with the, the turbo thing. My first twenty years was nitromethane,
3: methanol, nitro. Sure, I didn't hydra- know that. Hydrazine. Yeah. Jesus, oh, I like, work here and I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, even hydrogen. We ran a hi- engines on hydrogen in the seventies.
2: Where did you get but, uh, all I those ru- caustic chemicals from? <laughs> if I wanted to,
3: do you that, know what, I'd be what on was so cool back, back then? On an FBI you just went list. down to the chemical supply and you bought them. Is that true? What is it? Really?
2: Yes. <laughs> you couldn't do today that today. Today they're bomb making. Yeah, right. Yeah. I would be on an FBI watch list so if I were to get something like that.
3: I've got this Studebaker, fifty-three Studebaker, uh, Starlight Coupe. It was designed by Raymond Lowy. I, I got it for 65 bucks at Babe's Auto Ray, Wrecking, and it was a shell. <laughs> <you know. laughs> When's and, the last and, time you got anything for $65 for well, your car? Not you even know, to I, take a gas. Or Hydrazine, for that matter. And I threw the rest of it over the fence uh, So and then picked it up later.
2: Which, by uh, the way, you could also do that back then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bud Lovejoy, who ran the... Babe's auto wrecking and Downey on
0: Firestone. What was the sign outside of Babe's? There had to be some funky sign remember. out there, right? I don't remember.
3: But he <laughs> but he had a mean ass dog named
0: Nash. There's there's <laughs> yeah. one off the uh right off the 110 freeway, I think it is, or mm-hmm. Where where's it in Compton? Where it's oh. this have you you know the one I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Where's this fat chick in a bikini? She's totally overflowing her bikini. She's got like <laughs> Oh, it's the funniest and it's sign it's an auto-wrecking? Wait no, a minute, stop, stop! Auto- I
2: cannot unsee that. <laughs> she is so. I'm having obese. a problem here. It's
0: amazing. It's a full neon sign with a huge
2: matching. Is, is it like a? Is it like a
0: Vegas neon sign? Like, is it a caricature? Is it a cartoon? Or is it? Um,
2: it's not a photo
0: or anything. No, right? it's Let's a. Hope. It's a classic kind of neon sign, but, wow. but 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 it's it's full color, so it's. It's not just neon. Yeah. It's back. It's 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 painted and the yeah, neon yeah. on top of that. Huh. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna show it to you. And you're gonna laugh out loud. All I right, could we'll not believe it. That's gotta yeah. be
3: on the neon tour. And you I'll I'll yeah. tell my you buddies can.
2: To can. Do that yeah. tour. You can't. You yeah. know. We. You better go out and see it before a mob shows up and makes it. Uh,
0: you know. It looked like it'd been there for 25, 40 years. I don't know. <laughs> no, but, uh, sorry. We we got. Anyway, that's a here. new numbering <laughs> system. The 25, 40 number 25, system.
3: 25, Yeah. Yeah. So we would do it in units of 25 and units of 40. No, no. You alternate. You go 25. And then you go 15, and then you oh, go 25. Oh,
2: I think it's 20, 25, 40. <laughs> I don't know. 60? Yeah. No, oh, Where would that come from? <laughs> so,
0: yeah. I listen, thought feet and inches and yards were I don't know why units, I said 25 know. or 40. It's 25 or 30. I don't know yeah, why right. I skipped. I don't have a clue. Let's go... <laughs> Are you drunk? No, no, but he, he broke a couple of teeth. Yes. <laughs> he chipped a couple of teeth off of his ring gear. We got, so, we got sideways talking about turbos. I know. And how you All right. the turbo so, guys. So I'm throwing this,
3: stuff over a fence. I built this Studebaker, and, and, and I have already sold my DOHC Studebaker, so I built a, a normal overhead valve Studebaker V8, about a 259-incher, which was a big Studebaker V8 at the time, and Howard, uh, eight cycle cam, billet cam, gear drive, all the drive. I turned this thing eighty five hundred RPM was a red line. Whoa. What? Yeah, yeah. Big lump of iron, but it was buzzy and made made some decent power. So I soon learned that it didn't like eighty five hundred RPM, <laughs> racing your, a doctor in a new Corvette. What was your first on clue on the Corona was it the, Freeway? The well, hole
2: in the side of the block, or the head actually,
3: actually, you mean the window <laughs> <laughs> oh. where you could look in yeah. and see things going around? Yeah, was it? Yeah, seems, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cops. Cops never came. Mm-hmm. I raced this. Do- I, how how do I know it was a doctor in the new Corvette? Okay, because he right? had a gal with him in a nurse's uniform. <laughs> okay. You know,
2: by the way, that's still true today. The guy in the new Corvette probably a doctor. Yeah, yeah, and or, probably or, a nurse that's not dentist. his wife. A lot so of I race him
3: with my Studebaker, and I beat him, you know. But I killed the engine. I spun a couple of bearings and did it in. Small-block Chevy time. So this was my first swap, and I get my small-block Chevy. Those, will, You know, those I, will never catch on. No, they never, <laughs> they never did. You know, it was, it was like they came up with a 283, and uh, this was a 327 out to 340 inches, and Rochester injector and that kind of jive. Wow. And um, ran it a bit locally, did the half-mile drags out at the Riverside Raceway on the back straight, which was kind of cool.
2: All that's gone. But if if you're in Southern California and you're younger and you don't know where Riverside Raceway Mm -hmm. was... It's next to Moreno Valley, and there's a Ford dealership called Raceway Ford, which is approximately near Good. the location of There, there of needs that. to be some recognition because
3: yeah. some really cool stuff happened there. So I decided to go to Elmage Dry Lake with a Studebaker. Didn't own an engine dyno at that time, so I went down and Champion, Spark Plug Company, had a dyno in Long Beach. Called the Champion Dyno, and a guy named uh, Dick Jones ran it. Went down and dynoed the engine, and I went. Wow. This thing is pretty stout. Plugs are reading right. Everything's happy. Go to El Mirage. Off the trailer. Thing is blubbery rich. I'm going, hmm, what's the issue here? And then I heard about air density. You this up, is the
0: dawn of air density Yeah,
3: for you. Interesting. Yeah. I decided to go to Bonneville. Now, of course, Bonneville was much higher, around 4,200 feet. And um I, I'd redone the thing. Now I'm running Hillborn injectors, eight butterflies, straight up stacks, scoop on the hood to get the cold air from outside. Pure all that drive.
2: art, by the way. Like nothing that comes out of Detroit or even the aftermarket Looks has like. that same art deco or mechanical art feel or steampunk, if you will, or whatever of the way those pieces looked Look. on, an, on a V8 back in the day. I mean, yeah.
3: pure art. Yeah, it's instant wood. Yeah. You know, you look at that, and you go there. You see these eight stacks standing straight up, and they're about uh, eight to ten or twelve inches. It was long. a stack fest, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and you go, "Oh man!" Back to the champion dyno, looking really good. I had enough horsepower to go 200 miles an hour and break the, exa- the existing sea gas record. So I go to Bonneville, and by now I'm hanging out with buddy Bruce Geisler who got me into Studebaker's in the first place. Uh, and um, he's got a blower. He's got a he's got a t-shirt and it says, I'd rather be blown than injected. <laughs> and I'm going. And what, what year was this? It was, you know, it was in the 60s. Okay, so yeah. basically
2: timeless. Right. Things don't change, guys nope. are guys. I yeah. think I saw that shirt yesterday. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> I, I was wearing it. <laughs> oh, yeah,
3: There's bumper stickers still. I get up to Bonneville and talk about blubbery rich. I was so down. The density up there was like 82% of sea level, which means I've lost 18% of my horsepower from sea level. So at that point, I I started thinking about density machines. And i had been down to Blackie's Surplus over on Alameda, uh, south of Los Angeles, and he had all these World War II aircraft engines in there, uh, Merlins and Griffins and Allisons and all those. Some of them. Use turbochargers and it was like holy moly this thing runs off the exhaust
2: was that the first time that you had seen a turbocharger yeah i mean obviously you'd seen a blower so you knew what a belt-driven supercharger looked oh like yeah because a been, right? every, or a change, Yeah, or tom, yeah, tom
3: Beatty with eight v belts
2: so what was your first response when you saw this funny snail looking thing hanging off the side of an aircraft engine
3: I could take this and I could go to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) I can go anywhere I want with this thing. This is the silver bullet. It hit me like this this is all about tomorrow. Did
2: your love affair with turbochargers, was that the moment that it became real for you? It really became real for me
3: when I met Hugh McInnes. Hugh McInnes was the chief engineer of turbochargers at TRW they were supplying the Corvair Spider turbochargers and then the 64, 65, 66, whatever. The, the, the whole thing was that little flat six was making some serious performance with a tur- single turbocharger on it. And Hugh started giving me those turbos. And then he became the chief engineer of Ray J Turbo in Long Beach at the airport. They bought out TRW. TRW, in their infinite wisdom, decided to get out of the turbo business. Wow. Yeah, and of course, today, it's, it's a monster. Yeah. So I named my business uh, when I started at CP Auto Marine. It was, I wanted to go to Cal Poly. It was my school money business for Cal Poly, so CP Auto and Marine. Uh, why Marine? Well, m- my brother, myself, and my th- dad built a Chris Craft kit boat, a c- little cabin cruiser, and kept it down at Holidays in, in Wilmington. And went to Catalina with all the time. Talk about a chick
2: magnet. Well, how many feet was it?
3: 18 feet. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? (laughs) 18 feet. 18
2: foot. If you had a choppy swell in the channel on the way to to Uh, Catalina. It was uh, sick.
3: A surprisingly seaworthy little cabin cruiser. Yeah, very cool. With a flathead, six-cylinder Chrysler Ace uh, marine engine, which I started maintaining the damn Chrysler. So it got me very interested in, I love blue water. So- I wanted to do marine engines, I wanted to do big block Chevy marine engines, and I start, started the real quest, I went back to Detroit in uh, 1968, got a, scored an appointment with the guys that sold loose engines. Uh, they called themselves end products,
2: special products, they're the guys. That was sort of the precursor to a crate motor, right? Like you would be able to get onesies, w- twosies out of them that would otherwise be destined. Let me
3: tell you this. The first crate motors that Chevy dealers sold were banks' engines through the marine channel. I sold crate motors to Chevy dealers. Wow. What? Honest to God. That system did not exist, and the marine engine builds were absolutely bulletproof. They were the ruggedest, most powerful thing you could buy. And I'm telling you, I sold them.
0: Big blocks, small blocks, all of them. So at this point, how many, this has turned into a real business for you. This is not just you at CP Auto and Marine. This is now. It was still
3: CP Auto and Marine. uh, In in, um, 67, I opened my first speed shop with an engine shop in the back on San Gabriel Boulevard. Prior to that, I was in Linwood next to Automotive Balancing Service, Speed Emotive, across the street from Barris Customs. Down the street from Keith Black Racing Engines,
0: wow, so much history. Well, he just he's checking
2: the box of like the who's yeah. who, and right? And
3: not to mention Vic Hickey, who who was on Imperial, near, near the river. Well, that introduced me to Baja and Jeeps. Yeah, he built the Baja Boot, a yeah. kind of a mid engine thing. Famous, famous yeah. uh, Baja uh, Oldsmobile. Yep, and James Garner drove that thing. Yep, and Baja.
0: But the turbo, thing... J- James Garner, the actor? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yes. So the turbo thing. Have these big block Chevys. I had a customer at Big Bear. and uh, Up at the
0: mountains? Yeah,
3: yeah. Okay. Which is what? The lake? 8,000 feet? 7,000? 7,500? Uh, like s- s- no, I think it's in the sixties. Sixty 6,500 yeah. or something like that? Okay. 6, yeah. Okay. This fellow, whose name was John Meyer. So I turbo an engine for his boat up at high altitude because no air density, no performance. J- John Meyer
2: was looking for it. 6,800 feet, by the way. There you okay.
3: go. Hugh McInnes and I became friends. I think it was 68, late 68, early 69, I sold my first turboed marine engine. And then I got into charge air cooling because my first engine was, kind of had a really rudimentary finned aluminum charge air cooler. But within uh, about a year, I had... Sea water cooled or lake water cooled charger cooling. So
2: you moved from an air to air to a air to water. Yeah. And who's building
0: this stuff for you at this point? You or yeah, is us. it you are? Okay. We're designing it. Yeah. And you I, say I, we. So at this point, again, you have a team. I'm trying to figure out at what point. Yeah. Did you, you, you go from Gail in in this little garage to Gail and and employee one, employee two, employee yeah, three. Yeah. When I opened up
3: in San Gabriel, there was a barber next door, and his kid Al is Al Al Ibarra. This is the Beauty of my career. This this kid, this high school kid, is my first employee. That dude's retired, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you're still working. Yeah, and here I am. <laughs> Did you end up going to Cal Poly and getting? Oh yeah, engineering. So yeah. this was this I was post college. Yeah, I, I I graduated
3: from high school in '60 and '61. I started going to Cal Poly. But I, I the old man. I mean, he's an L.A. cop. He got no money. He was he was making like 400 bucks a month, so I had to earn it. They had no money for me.
2: Were you able, to, did your CP shop? I know the idea was to fund your college. Is that yeah. what it ended up doing? Were you able to fund your way through college at that well, time?
3: Well, you know, <laughs> back then, it was feast or famine. You know, I'd have an engine to build, and I wouldn't have anything. And I'd do brake jobs. I'd do anything, you know. And then when I had nothing whatsoever, I decided, okay, a buddy of mine is a switchman on the Union Pacific Railroad Railroad, so I talked to him, how can I get a job uh, as a switchman? He says, go down the yards and go to the yard, yard foreman's office, guy named Bill Sandlin. Talk to him and say, you want to hire on as a switchman. I went into that office for probably 40 times and there was this woman, Mrs. Wow. North. And she sat behind this like picket fence with a gate in it. And, and Bill Sandlin's office w- was in the back corner of this major size room. With its door facing the side, so you couldn't see through his door from the other side of the fence. Mrs. North never took a liking to me for whatever reason. <laughs> and I mean, I really, I BS the hell out of her. Oh, my dad's an LA cop. He's been injured, uh, injured on duty. I, I got to take care of the family. This and that didn't phase her. Nothing. And it was the truth. He was injured on duty. Okay. Got hit on a motorcycle. So Jeez. one day I come in, I'm desperate for money. There used to be this diet drink called Sego. It was a brand name. And H- it, How was that spelled, Sego? It, it, S-E-G-O, I think, something like that. Huh. And I was living on that stuff. Some guy had a couple of cases— that, in his
2: garage or whatever, he gave it to me. You find it? I did. But you what's the
0: can look like? I've I've never it, heard of that.
2: It's a, it's a red can, okay. like uh, like a Coke can. Obviously, it's so it's look like Tab or something. Remember no, Tab from the eighties? It's old enough. Uh, it's it was a chocolate malt d- liquid diet food. That's What
0: S E G O liquid yeah. diet food? And it has a, a it red. It looks like can. a can of Chef Boyardee. That's it, what it looks yeah, like. sort of like with yeah. a yeah with, with a, a big S E G O
3: and when you when it says food. <laughs> it's not. It's not food. <laughs> that was misleading. Processed
2: cheese, spam, food. spam, yeah, 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 meat yeah, food,
3: yeah. M- <laughs> meat like, tastes like meat, meat like uh, so, substance. Uh, yes, you know I'm living on this stuff and blossoming out with giant blemishes, you know. So I knew then it. it really wasn't food. It was something.
2: Uh, by the way, this this story that I found online when I when I uh, put in Seago just because I have blatant curiosity on my part, hearing Gail's story. The title of the story is. Eight bygone diet foods we thankfully never have to eat again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying Ultimately to Ultimately get, get hired.
2: And I'm thinking
3: they had a thing called the Extra Board where you didn't bid on a job. You were on the Extra Board. Sounds and like a union hall. Almost, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you two, go down to, you know, and, and nail the, this uh, wall together. I got hired. I did the student trips. You know, I did read the rules. I did the student trips, which means I rode the top of boxcars to a joint, in, you know, in, in the in the, uh, in the, yard? in the yards. And uh, you don't do my switchmen are on the ground mostly. And you're out there in the winter and it rains on you and it, it's really hostile. Anyhow, I take the rules exam, rules of the road, it's called. And I aced it. So the proctor, the guy that gave the exam, he says, Banks, stay after. I want to talk to you. Everybody leaves. He says, you really did good on the rules. You could be an engine man. And I said, really? I said, why would I want to be an engine man? He says, says, you're indoors when it's raining. You're indoors when it's snowing. You're not out there by by the old 55-gallon oil drum with a fire in it. In the yards, freezing your ass off, you're not walking all over. You're not cooning the top of the train like a raccoon, setting the brakes, and falling off and breaking your back, which happened to my dad because he worked on the Southern Pacific before World War II. So I'm going. You mean I just get to ride around? <laughs> Do I get to run the engine? He says, Yeah, because you're an apprentice engineer. Depending on the engineer, which hoghead was the term for for the
0: engineers in the freight yards. I heard on as a locomotive fireman. That's amazing. Now, yeah. So we I didn't know this about you. And and Holman and I, this is lightning speaking. Holman and I have talked about this, I think, on our last episode of the one before. Yeah. And we have one of our emailers yeah. um, who wrote in and he had a um, what was this? He, he it was a, a,
2: it was an engine. He works in the uh in the Midwest at a like I guess a metal company to make frames and stuff for vehicles, and so mm-hmm. his daily transportation is he drives a big train that has an American flag on it. And so he sent us a picture and it was just very cool How cool. To see. So this yeah. came
0: this came up and, and cuz I've always wanted to be on a freight train from one coast to the other because mm-hmm. I think you can see things on that train. track yeah. that there's n- you cannot see. There them. are no roads. There are no roads. Yeah. yeah. You'll go over trestles that yeah. no one will ever see but you. I think that did you'll you ever get a chance over, to go do over, that? Yeah. What what yeah, was that like?
3: I got to run as far as Las Vegas. So, you know, you'd go up through the, the pass. The pass, yeah. Yeah. And you're so you're Tumon. doing there's switchbacks out of you're going out to of valley, home. Right? yeah, right. And there's tunnels uh, in there you go is Obviously a huge switching yeah. area. Yeah, and and we get covered hoppers full of cement out mm-hmm. of Barstow, different yeah. stuff. It was kind of cool. The best thing about it was the people that I met working on the railroad because every guy that worked on the railroad was like a fireman. They all had another job. They were a <laughs> yeah, preacher. Right. They were a stockbroker. Yeah. They were. And they all told me, "To a man, you don't want to do this for the rest of your life." Well, I didn't. I, di- but but when you go on the railroad, then you got paid the same daily pay as the old heads. The old heads got the better jobs. Got it.
1: Uh, so the pay
3: was, was the better same. Jobs. But the no, were better jobs. No, no. You you'd get paid uh, like a day's pay per hundred miles. Let's say. Oh, okay. Well, if you're on a switch engine, you ain't going anywhere. Right. You work a day, you get a day. If you're uh, an engine man on a passenger train going to Vegas, it's three days pay going out there. But you do it in one day. Interesting. And then you lay over for a day and then you come back and get another three. So Uh, for a young guy
0: though, you're cleaning up. It's good money.
3: The beauty of the extra board was I could mark off the extra board. Hey, I'm sick, mark me off. Then i built build the engine I had to build. The other part of it was, I got on jobs that were like midnight to eight. So if I'm going to class, like. We were unloading hogs on a job I had over at Farmer John's Packing House in Vernon, Oh and oh. that was midnight to eight. And that place stinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't believe the. And
2: you can't wash the smell off the, of you either.
3: You don't want to get me into a railroad, but basically the foreman of that crew, who turned out to be Jack Stewart, who became president of the L.A. Roadsters, and, you know, the guy was Mr. 32 Ford, and I get onto a crew with him and we became lifelong friends funny
2: funny how those little connections yeah. drive decisions or or touch points in your life that well there's this that direct you to a certain place
3: yeah there's this thing of, uh, kevin bacon is associated with six degrees of separation yeah. out here at this point in my life it's like two you know i, I know somebody who knows somebody I, it's, and one day i'm somewhere and i'm now it's one degree to a Although approach, Although you know. I've,
0: I've watched you in action, and you are unusual in that you have a larger circle than most.
3: I love to chat people up. You know, that
0: helps. You're studying, and you leave uh, the railroad.
3: Yeah, left the and, railroad. I still had the uh, hot and cold spell, so I took the uh, electrical engineering draftsman exam for the city of L.A., I, and I scored a job with water and power, L.A. water and power. And that's another one where I would pull off from time to time. It was like uh, uh, I'd take leaves of absence to, quote, unquote, go to school. Uh, Only I had engines to build and I was going to school. So so funny story
2: about that is uh, my grandfather was sort of a bigwig at the Department of Water and Power. He was? Yeah. Gail Holman. So another Gail. He and Gail crossed paths at some point. I knew his granddad. Isn't that Are
3: weird? You oh yeah. Me what? Yeah. Oh, isn't that weird? Well, every everybody knew Gail Holman, and, and <laughs> it, it was yeah, like, we found out we okay. were, and, and with reverence. Dude, he was a deeply respected guy. That water and
2: power. So anyway, yeah. There's so there's there's <laughs> that. So so my my grandfather knew Gail or Gail. Knew my beef, One like degree of decades, separation. Right. Decades
0: yeah. before I I met Gail. Oh, this is just creepy. Isn't that weird? Actually, <laughs> this is that Actually, decades before he was born. <laughs> yeah, right. So, decades before I was <laughs> born, too. So you're studying. You're, you're, you know how to draft at this point. You can design an engine because mm-hmm. um, you, you, you can draw it. Then you know you well, mechanically Well, also the inclined. electrical
3: side. Uh, I was blessed with kind of this hobby. Uh, I hung around with a lot of ham radio operators, but I wasn't one of them. Uh, the guys in Long Beach. Hey everybody, Gail Bags. No no, 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 no. It was, I mean, this, yeah. this, th- these guys are very technical, very professional. And, uh but they're so deeply into it. I, I, I couldn't invest that kind of time. The electrical side of things. The first vehicle I, I built from scratch was electrically powered and radio controlled. Huh? Yeah. Same your— Gail
2: Bags, the man that can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Tell my wife.
3: Gail Biggs, what can he do? I love how, by the way, the wives... (laughs) Tell her that, too. I love how the
0: wives never understand what the husband really does. They're like, honey, the screen door fell off. Do you know how to fix that? (laughs) They know. They just don't want to give you props. (laughs) Let me tell you about my wife.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The washing machine stops running. Mm -hmm. Don't touch it. (laughs) What do you mean, don't touch it? I can fix it. No, no. Last time you did that, you improved it air quotes <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, it, and it I want I want it running tomorrow not next year.
2: Yeah, but I'll figure this out. I can do it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, I can make it do this better. The radio-controlled robot tractorer I built to mow my folks' lawn while I sat on the front po- porch controlling <laughs> it. It's, it's like a Roomba for your lawn. Right, yeah, yeah, so
2: it's like a Roomba that you is it,
3: isn't there a lawn right I think there is. Is and, there? And yeah. it,
2: it controls itself. And it does. It's got like you know, weed-whacking arms on no it and stuff like that. Yeah.
3: With this deal, I used a uh, two-horsepower landing retracting motor and gear set of and clutch. Of course you did. Out of out of you know, <laughs> you know, like a P51 and and uh, aileron trim motors
2: for the Lomba,
0: now made with P51 Mustang parts. <laughs> <laughs> now from new from Gale Banks Engineering, Lomba. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: the whole deal with the transistor Bell Labs did in the '60s. I was adapting before the end of the '60s. It's really cool because today the microprocessor runs the world everything and if you're a guy a mechanical guy and you want to make that monkey dance the thing that plays the tune for that monkey to d- dance to is the microprocessor
2: oh yeah yeah i mean well, think think of the so how much you know life has changed with Computers and microprocessors and well, the well, thing you hold in your hand. I went swimming with my iPhone. I was without it for three days and it was like, yeah. this, oh, mon- yeah, yeah, this yeah. monkey didn't dance. Oh my God. <laughs> now,
0: so, Gail, a lot of guys who you consider yourself a futurist, uh, but a, a lot of guys who were in the business when you got in were carburetor guys, then had a real rough time with fuel injection, then pushed back against new technologies. No, oh, it's got electronics. It. Cams but and... you embraced all of that.
3: I'm 76 this year. And I'm showing up. Why the hell am I showing up? There's still dreams in my cabeza. (laughs) And and those dreams are future. So I want to be part of it. You know, I've gotten to be a pioneer in the turbo business, you know, clear back into the 60s. I've gotten to be a pioneer in the diesel performance business. In fact, when I started doing the Turbo kits for the 82 Chevys and GMCs with a 6.2. The, six-two. Six-two.
2: the yeah. infamous 6.2 diesel. So, any of you diesel performance guys will understand. Um, yes. and,
3: and, and of course, they, that was a replacement for the Olds diesel, yep. which was an out, outgrowth, uh, at least the cylinder block, cylinder head, and ceiling issue. I won a national championship for Oldsmobile in 1970. Endurance Boat Racing with an Olds 455. We beat big block Chevys with an Oldsmobile. <laughs> and we've got this huge-ass trophy full of champagne. You can see the frost on the outside. <laughs> we're drinking out of this mother. Our tuxes are all screwed up. <laughs> you know, We were boat guys in a
0: tux. I didn't know <laughs> boat guys own tuxes. They, don't. they yeah. don't. Yeah, Not after that, he destroyed it. I yeah. oh, was such champagne. a boat. It,
3: when I went down to the tux rental, I went, you got a blue one? I'm, this, I'm, in, I'm into blue water. Yeah, they had a powder blue tux. Man, that was a, That's a statement. The, looking piece. at that, yeah, statement. The statement was this guy's a goddamn fool. Yeah. So, anyhow, look at this jackass in the blue tux. The, the whole deal with the boat racing, et cetera, et cetera, is kind of cool. What's really cool about the turbocharging that, you know, this 60s and then into the 70s, Volvo.
0: That's not a name that people would would think of when you say turbocharged. It's not what but, I thought came but, out as <laughs> <his> <laughs> Here's the deal. The, I didn't see the V coming G, no. the, <laughs> gm
3: gm was screwing with turbos in the sixties and doing production vehicles with turbos. Olds had the f eighty uh, five and and there's a you know the the Corvair turbos and all that jive. and then it seemed to go away. And you know, why the hell they were screwing with turbos back then? What the motivating thing was, they wanted to look advanced, I think, more than anything else. They were trying to, hey, we've got the bleeding-edge technology. And they kind of went away. And in in 76, we got approached by Volvo because we were quite visible worldwide in all the marine publications. We were selling our marine engines for pleasure boat use, uh, for big cruisers on the Mediterranean, have up to three of our 930-horse twin-turbo big blocks. We held speed records all over the world and started winning world-class river endurance races. The marine stuff bled off into the automotive guys. And I got to tell you, in the 60s, I hung with the boat guys in my neighborhood. The billet stuff came from boats. It came from rigging your 18-foot flat-bottom engine's between two fiberglass wood stringers and all billet from the stringers up huh. to the engine. Trick stuff Just to mouth the bling. stuff on, all all bling, All bling. That's the boat, guys. It's sort of, in California, rigging boats. Plus, it looked technical as hell. It still looks Well done today. billet. Still, still awe. awesome.
2: Love the technical geometric fact, look of billet. We're here right now at your facility, and we're looking at your new windage tray that's on the L5p and it's gorgeous I mean I wish I had that as like coffee table art I mean I, we, I looked at the prototypes before and one of the guys has actually had what was pretty production intent in his hands and you yeah. just looking at the tooling marks and it was you could tell that it was it was just I mean just beautiful I mean just, beautiful. just jewelry yeah absolutely yeah
3: that has to be one of the most technical billet pieces you'll ever see in your life. Is that lower crankcase with the integrated windage? System. It, it is amazing. Yeah. When well, the... in '76, Volvo hires me to turbocharge the B21 Red Block in their 242 and 244 sedans prototype. They wanted to come out with, with the Swedes wanted to come out with a turbo turbocharged car.
0: How do they hear about you? Like, how do they know? Just because they see your ads and they.
3: Well, they talked to turbo people who who made turb- manufactured machine itself. And they saw me in all of this boat stuff. You know, I was in the boat press worldwide for quite a while then. The boat business, boat engines, you know, guys today do a dyno run that's three or four seconds and they make 4,000 horsepower and they beat their chest. Making big power and making it live three seconds is not a big achievement. You you can do, do that out of a freaking catalog. You can buy the pieces, assemble it, do a little uh, tuning on aftermarket ECU, and make a blast on the dyno. Back then, you had to make everything from scratch, and you didn't have an ECU to do that stuff with. We were able to make the engines live the Parker Nine-Hour in the Colorado River. Well, it was nine hours of wide-open throttle in a boat, a 13-mile wow. course with a U-turn at each end. Just and beat lace the, it back down, river. Beat the release piece it out back the engine, right Well, yeah, the G-force. When you have a 80 or so boats in a 13-mile stretch, you got rough water everywhere. I mean, it's really beat. Needles w- would fall off the Stuart Warner gauges. <laughs> I had an oil pressure gauge explode out into the driver's face. Whoa. mask. Yeah. He limped it in, We plugged the hole in the block for the put oil in, and he went back out and won the race. You know, we won the nine-hour in the inboard division a number of times. But you have to have endurance. How did we get the endurance? Early on, we ran carbureted. But then when we started running turbos, it's like we doubled the power and tripled the endurance. It was amazing how cushy turbocharging is versus belt-driven superchargers. I never saw a belt-driven supercharged engine back in those years win the Parker nine-hour. And that was the most prestigious boat race on the planet at the time in terms of it was really a bitch to win. We, we get off into the turbos in that era with Volvo. Why did I want to do the Volvo? Because they were developing something called sond, which is air fuel ratio sensing, the O2 sensor. Oh, and
2: two. It, huh? <laughs> and
3: it was in the development of that, and our turbo system was in the same program. So I would have done it for free.
2: Yeah. No, I, I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of learnings that came out of that that were priceless. It was like, Mother of God, what is this thing?
3: Oh! <laughs> we therefore built
2: the first
3: EFI O2 sensing turbo engine. On the planet in a production car, and it became production about 1980. Okay, but no one had ever built an engine like that. Yeah, O2 <laughs> sensing, and, and I'm sorry, I'm getting all worked <laughs> up. <aren't I>? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talk about chatting three people up and getting to know them. This just fell in my lap, and we really did a job with this thing. Then I get a call later that year. To go with, with a friend of mine, Walt Ware, who, who was the president at uh, Air Research, Garrett, he was the turbo guy. Walt calls me up and he says, these guys at Buick, we just had a fuel crunch in 1973, 74. The Arabs were mad at us for helping the Israelis in a war. And so they cut us off. No gas. And, and we, we went into a rationed gas thing where you could only buy gas every other day. It was hard, hard to even do business or go to work. Everybody started scaling back. This is where the turbo really became important. And for the
2: younger people out there, that's really the death of the muscle car and everything you held true and loved. The introduction of the smart pump. My parents had a
0: Cadillac that just collected cobwebs because they couldn't drive it wow. during that period. So yeah. the reaction or the
3: overreaction was so great that Buick scrapped... V8 engine. They scrapped their V8 engine. They had a V6 that, that was designed in the 50s, and, and they did a great little 3.8 liter V6, but it had been, been sold to another company. It was being produced in South America. Buick bought the tooling and everything back for something like $17 million. That became the engine in a Buick. I mean, some of those Buicks are large cars. And you got this little 510-horsepower engine. Buick, in 1975, had paced the Indy 500 with a Century with a big 455 in it. In 1976, they got the award again, and they wanted to do another Century. And they went out there with the V6, and the, the USAC guy said, you're going to get killed. The roadsters are going to climb your bumper. You know, This will not work. You've got to do something. So Buick decided to turbocharge it. They call up Walt Ware. He sends them some turbo hardware. They decided to make it a civic project in Flint, Michigan. Two engineers who were not engine guys, but they were Explorer Scout troop leaders, (laughs) convinced the marketing guys at Buick to make it a scout project, turboing the engine for the Indy pace car. You're joking though, right? I'm not joking. You're joking
0: though
2: i'm not joking wow it was true i feel so, so underwhelmed by my eagle scout project right now walt
0: calls me up and he says i built a shoe rack for like a, a jewish temple they could put their shoes in for the in the kids that's what i did for my oh mine was eagle way scout better project. than yours.
2: you should be ashamed of yourself then you not do? me what'd you do i, I know actually i uh, repainted a women's shelter oh that's, that's not yeah, bad no it was good but that's i mean good. when we we're well, building you know cars or those are or cool anything.
3: things to do <laughs>
2: But right. I just think it's a lot I, I easier like to the shoe rack myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think just a lot, a lot easier to paint a wall than it is to uh, build an engine for <laughs> you know, yeah, right. A big race. We go back.
3: Walt has me go back. We help them solve their problems. And a turbo Buick Regal was on the cover of Motor Trend magazine, saying, "Is the, the, a turbo in Buick's future?" And then in '81, we we built the. Uh, prototype that became the Grand National, a twin-turbo, 454-horse, Regal. Boom. So how many people
2: knew that the Buick Grand National had Banks roots in it?
3: That's pretty
2: amazing. It's kind of a double hit because
3: because we helped them make the turbo Buick successful in the first place. That thing went from 105 horsepower. Hugh McInnis got into it finally uh, with a Ray J turbo, and and it was like uh, 305, 310 horsepower, like tripled the horsepower. So it paced Indy beautifully. But the whole thing was really getting hot with turbocharging. Ford did the two point three turbo, the turbo Thunderbirds.
1: Yep. And, and I've the w- Mustangs
3: I the was SV- involved SVO. Yeah, yeah. We continued with our marine engines and we continued with turbocharging and we you know, in, in June of eighty four we were on the cover of car and driver, two hundred and four mile an hour street car
2: on oh. Mrs. Something's driveway Mrs. Orcutt's driveway Mrs. Orcutt's driveway. Yeah. Yep. That was a I remember that's that story as a kid. So we're out amazing. in the we're
3: out in the desert. Her driveway paralleled I-40 east of uh, Barstow. And it
2: was a mile or two long, right? Four miles. Four miles long, okay.
0: Across a dry lake bed.
2: Yeah.
3: Dead straight and dead flat mm-hmm. and 22
0: feet wide. Uh, an actual woman's driveway. Yeah. Mrs. Orcutt. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's not, the, not just It's not like, uh, you know, we're not doing air quotes. It, no, was, no, actually, no. it was actually a woman's driveway. And, and Mrs. Orcutt, I went
3: to her door, knocked on her door. She opens it to the limit of the chain. And she <laughs> goes, "It's little gal, little old gal, she says, what is it, boy? Did she have a shotgun? No, but the gal four miles from her had a shotgun. Oh. That's also part of the story because yep, drove that car 204. He was the technical editor. And eventually the editor in chief. car and driver. Yeah. I said, We'd like to do some fuel economy testing on your road. Is that OK? Yeah, do it. Boom, she shuts the door. <laughs> so we went 204 down the driveway. Dana Barton standing down there with a radar gun at the other end. At some point, Dana got tired of waiting for us. So we went out in the cactus and urinated on a cactus. Well, this gal who had a ranch house right there sees him do it. She's getting all worked up. Here comes Chuba. Dana runs back over, gets him on the radar gun at 204. He stops down the road. She comes out with a shotgun. <laughs> and Dana hauls ass up to the car, and she's chasing him. And she puts the shotgun against the glass, and... The side windows at about 140 blew out at the top. So if you remember, that car had frameless windows right, on it. Right, frameless so. windows. So this is very unsafe. But we had taped the top of the windows so they wouldn't blow out while Chuba was doing the, the car. So we had to untape to get Chuba out. <laughs> and she's got the shotgun. He says, all I saw was this two black eyes, <laughs> <laughs> ominous. It was the shotgun, you know, yeah, the 12 right. gauge double barrel shotgun against the glass. Get we had Martin! man. Yeah. Did we have to talk her down? Yeah, I bet. So, but we made the cover of Car and Driver.
0: I want to. What's the pivotal moment here when when you get into what's the what's the first truck you started toying with? I don't I don't know. So obviously you're starting to take her with
2: the six twos, uh, six nine uh, Ford, in indirect injection, uh, pre power stroke, right? That was eighty three. Uh, mm hmm. 6'9", 83. We did
3: the turbo kit for the 82. We we started working on that 6'2 engine in 78 prior to production uh, as an engineering e- exercise, uh, twin-turboing it for Marine for Detroit Diesel GM. You mm-hmm. know, The engine wouldn't take it. It wasn't a candidate for that. But Pontiac came to us and wanted to, us to run a Firebird at Bonneville. The new 82 Firebird was coming in uh so the Firebird came out the same year as the 6.2 and the pickups. And we had both. We had the Firebird, a pre-production Firebird, and we had uh, two pre-production pickups, you know, engineering trucks with the 6.2s, a one-ton and a half-ton. The half-ton was a uh, manual shift, and the one-ton was a turbo hydro. No, no power in either one of them. It was like 145. was.
2: A friend of mine had a 85 uh, 85- Mm -hmm. diesel 2500 suburban with a 6.2 no turbo Mm -hmm. and that was uh his mom's vehicle and he inherited it basically in high school and that became our friend rye we talked about that vehicle on the show i think before yeah Yeah. Yeah. and uh i remember the first time he tossed me the keys he goes hey you you drive yeah and it's like (laughs) well what you know and here's this massive tanks my my mom has a uh a Toyota minivan and my dad has a Honda Accord. So I'm not, you know, we don't have anything <laughs> like yeah. that. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll drive this thing. And, uh, and I pulled away from the stoplight for the first time. And I remember like, well, what do I do? He goes, oh, no, no, you're driving it wrong. I go, well, all right, how do I drive it? He goes, the, the uh, gas pedal is an on-off switch. And I realized that to drive that thing, wide it was either on or it, it was wide open everywhere yeah. you went. And that was only merely adequate, um, but literally, Anytime you drove it, it was just on the floor. There was no middle ground because mm-hmm. that thing had plenty of torque, no horsepower at all. To your point, hot rod was
3: was going to drive my Firebird project at Bonneville, and uh, we got rained out. All kinds of nastiness ensued, uh, but we we finally I think we ran 86 and 87 uh, went to 62 way to 268 one way and then the next year we went i think our best mile was 283 power windows surround sound full interior <laughs> we had a roll cage in it but i mean it was a street car to tow they gave us these two pickups with these uh non-turbo engines well in six weekends working with bob robe he and i now bob robe works still, here still yeah still works for you yeah uh, we came in on, on weekends, uh, we were still in San Gabriel, as I recall, and um, we turboed those two trucks, and it worked very well. Now, now we could tow the uh, enclosed trailer with a Firebird in it over Cajon Pass, because prior to that, to do that same thing, I had to stop at the top at the big thermometer and shave <laughs> yeah, let it cool down. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's explain uh, home and explain Cajon Pass for those who yes. don't live in California. So,
2: so basically, uh, everybody knows of the San Andreas Fault, right? You hear about the big, scary earthquake fault that runs through yeah. Southern California. So, essentially, uh, coastal California is separated from the rest of California by a mountain range, and on one side is the foothills in coastal California, and the other side is the desert. And right through the middle of this runs the San Andreas Fault which essentially separates the Los Angeles basin from the rest of the world. So if you've ever driven from L.A. to Vegas and you go, quote-unquote, up the grade, which is on your way to Victorville or on your way to Vegas, but Victorville is the first city really at the top of the grade, um, that's Cajon Pass. And it's a very steep grade. What's the grade Around game? 6 6%. Six yes, yeah. okay. yeah, I, I think that's right. And then... Uh, now, I mean, it, there's not a lot of switchbacks or anything like that. There's an old road that cuts through there, uh, which is how people used to get up it. But now the Interstate, Interstate 15, goes up it. Uh, but to this day, even in the magazine world, a truck trend or four-wheeler, we do tow testing through there. And mm-hmm. you'll see a number of manufacturers who will be in camo vehicles with water loads on the back of their trailers, tow testing because it's hot and it, it, there's a grade. And mm-hmm. uh, So anyway, so that is the pass, the Cajon Pass that we keep talking about. And Literally, it is the way out of Southern California to the rest of the U.S. Uh, if you're not taking the 10 Absolutely. through the desert and you're on your way to Vegas, so uh, basically any Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Idaho, any any of those states, sort of out that way, you have to go through the 15. Yeah,
0: and Gail, you're still using that as, for testing today. Yeah. yeah.
3: So anyhow, we turboed those 6.2s, those and SEMA started meeting in San Gabriel at Eric Grant's insurance office across from my speed shop on San Gabriel Boulevard in 1967. And the first show for SEMA was at Dodger Stadium, right? Yes, it was, yeah. that year. Okay. And uh, I knew all the guys, but I didn't, I didn't have enough money to pay the dues. So I didn't join SEMA for another 10 years or so. But it was, it was right there. I knew these guys. I started talking to them about diesel. Oh, this would be 82, late, late 81, because I came out. When the trucks came out, we had the kit and uh, the turbo kit. And wow, did that transform the engine. Took away the smoke. Mileage increase you couldn't believe. Giant power increase. And it it would run well at high altitude, which the naturally aspirated diesel was horrible at high altitude. Was that
2: the first real consumer product that was a large scale or large volume hit for you? That
3: that was the first consumer product of the diesel industry. Because I I feel like... It was a hit for us. I
2: feel like as a kid... That's where I knew Banks Power. were your ads talking about how much the performance improvement was on those six twos, and, yeah. and then eventually the six five came out. But GM offered that with a turbo, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of a story behind that as well, right? Well, it lagged uh,
3: quite a bit. The six five, where they were late to market. A guy named Dan Dan Snezak, who came from Diamond Racing, was putting a Cummins in a Dodge in Highland Park at, at Dodge headquarters, uh, engineering. And uh, I was familiar with that. But nobody had a turbo diesel on the market. And you couldn't go to speed shops and buy a turbo kit for a diesel. The SEMA guys wanted nothing to do with diesel for about 10 years. Uh, so we were all alone. We sold through the diesel
2: repair shops. How many years ahead was your turbo kit... Ahead well, of when Dodge, the, the the,
3: I think the Dodge came out in 89.
2: It was 89? hmm Yeah, so if you are familiar with that story of when they shoehorned a Cummins into a Ram, go to trucktrend.com. Uh, both Truck Trend and Diesel Power wrote a story where they drove D-001, mm-hmm. which is the very first vehicle. So The, the truck production your, vehicle. The, this was their first engineering vehicle. Well, that it, da- Sneeze Act did that. So they have these they know where there's six or seven engineering vehicles that mm-hmm. started that program. I want to say they know where like four or five of them are, but we have that whole story on trucktrend.com that ran in diesel power and truck trend um, from you know, several years ago. It's worth the read if you're interested in the history of the of the Dodge. It's They're in running condition. Mm-hmm. One of them turned out to be a parts runner for Cummins for years. Uh, one of them is re- fully restored now, yes. and, uh, and they're just amazing trucks and, and quite the time capsule. And so we wrote stories on that. We had a chance to drive it. If you're interested in that, again, check out that story on, on D001 and its brethren. It that talks would about, be an
3: interesting read. It's awesome. The thing was, you had these naturally aspirated diesels up through 86, 87. A guy named John Rock took over uh, GMC called me up one day, and he says, I'm coming out for the International Truck Show at Anaheim. I'd like to have breakfast with you. I said, I'd like to have breakfast with you. This is very cool. <laughs> Thank you. So I meet him down there in Anaheim in and, and, and a restaurant, and, and he says, you guys are doing these sport trucks out here in California, and we want to have a GMC sport truck.
0: Ah, we, I see and, where this and, is
3: going. And, yeah, and, and I says, okay. And he says, also... You know, Ford came out with a 6.9 and the pickup trucks, and our sales of the 6.2 pickup trucks started to fall. And uh, And he says the engine plant in Moraine, Ohio that builds a 6.2 engine is down to 17% of its capacity. Mm. I should have closed that plant. It should be gone. But- We're wedded to this. If I did close the plant, I'd need an engine, and they kind of had sniffed out the Cummins Dodge thing going on. There was a lot of people trying to buy Cummins stock to get leverage over other people and all that jive going on back then. So he says, I need to stimulate the sales of the 6.2 because the 6.5 engine, that was running behind a, a year or two. So two things happened there. He said, how about you guys? turbo our trucks, set up a little facility near Flint Assembly, and the pickups and the Suburbans will ship them to you, you turbo them, you ship them back to us, and they'll go out to the dealership through normal distribution. It's called a ship-through. We worked with some guys in, a family of guys in Detroit, set up a deal in Elmont, Michigan, of High Vehicle Parcel. They shipped the trucks to us, we shipped them back, they went out to the dealers, and the first turbo diesel pickup you could buy in the United States one year ahead of the Dodge Cummins was the GMC Banks Turbo. You could buy it in any dealership in the entire country. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank
0: you. <laughs> thank you guys for noticing.
3: It was it was pretty cool. We were on PBS Motor and, Week with, and your parts you know,
2: actually had there was the Banks logo, right? That was That was
3: the deal I said to yeah. John. I said I got of dealers all over the United States installing these kits. A, if it was Chevy, I wouldn't do it. But B, since you guys have a lesser, they had like a fifth of the market. Yeah, and I said, I'll, I'll do it because it'll increase the installs on the Chevys, which it did. It doubled our install business for my installers. And it gave me a life experience that I can't even... I, I'm speechless thinking of how important it was to me. But one of the best kept secrets in our industry is we beat the Dodge Cummins by a full model year. Wow. Yeah. It's, Dodge Cummins is not the first turbo diesel pickup you could buy. And, in the and we dealership.
2: found on eBay not that long ago, because I think our good friend David Kennedy and you and I were talking about that, mm-hmm. where there was a— David Kennedy— the, who, the edit, Yeah, the former editor for Diesel Power Magazine, who is now at the NHRA. In fact, mm-hmm. we wanted him to sit in today, uh, but he was busy. So, David Kennedy, if you're listening. Well, he was so here, and he had a greasy Benjamin. wiener food truck
0: out with, <laughs> yeah. in the back.
2: <laughs> True story. Today with was
0: <laughs> the food truck Friday at Banks. <laughs> yes, it was.
2: With the greasy <laughs> yeah. wiener. Yeah,
0: so yeah. he came over, and he ate the food, and then he bailed. Yeah, then he bailed. Like, how yeah. dare he? Yeah, yeah. How dare you, David?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty cool, this yeah. food truck Friday thing. Yeah, he, so he— uh, It takes me out of my element. You know, I normally eat healthy, and I, then there's not food truck Friday. <laughs> <Woo>. And then <laughs> yourself Saturday.
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah,
3: there's always that
0: anticipation. I try to so yeah, I I just dude, kinda, you, ah. you don't know Holman. You don't know how hard I try to corrupt this man right here. He eats so healthy. I know he does. He's like PETA. He, he and I go out to uh,
2: lunch all the time or breakfast, and he always gets the same thing. And if he's feeling like a wild man, yeah. he'll put a side of
0: chicken on it. Oh, yeah, likes, yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, 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 check this out. You know me in chocolate? Yes. He found my stash of Kit Kats. Oh, and he, yeah. And he sneaks in there like, like four like, in the afternoon. And I, and I look, and I'm typing away, and, he, and I see the, the drawer. Hand. No, no. Oh, he I just see sees the, drawer, the, drawer the drawer move. And I look over. I'm about to swat away, and it's Gale. He's looking for a Kit Kat. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
2: keep the man happy.
0: Keep he's the man happy. he hid
3: the damn Kit Oh. I
2: hide him. I, I tuck him all the way in there. I hurry. have a serious Ooh.
3: Jones for chocolate. I get that mid afternoon. You rat bastard. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but I bring up David because I, I believe we were at breakfast one day, and we were talking about because I think we had found one of those trucks was on eBay. And so it was one of the original oh. Banks GMC uh, dealership builds. Oh, my God. And I'll so bet you cool.
0: that one of our listeners ha- knows someone who has one. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder.
2: E- email us at uh, truckshowpodcasts at com if, uh, if you know where one is, you have one, you have any experience with one, it'd be interesting
0: to hear anybody who maybe even owned one of those trucks back then. Yeah. Gail, how many did you produce? Any clue? Was it in the dozens, the hundreds, the thousands? It wasn't thousands. Okay, it might have
3: been over a thousand. Okay. The other part of it was to he says, "How do I get a sports truck image?" And if you have to put your, you have to put yourself back back in those years, like eighty-seven, or and so. he was in charge of GMC at the time, GMC. right? GMC. So,
2: so that's important, germane to the story.
3: So he says, "What would you do to make a mark?" Help us with the rollout. I said, "Well." You could run Baja, but nobody knows what the hell Baja is all about.
2: And an awful—a great event and awful spectator
3: sport. Yes. Uh, and especially if you get east of Arizona, nobody nobody knew a damn thing about Baja. There was no NASCAR trucks, no Craftsman trucks. There was no NHRA pro-stock trucks. None of that stuff existed. But a buddy, buddy of mine— had run, run his, we set up a pickup truck class at the Dry Lakes. You know, a buddy of mine had a truck called the Red Robin, and it w- was badass, fast. And I, I always thought, you know, having a parts truck that's really quick is a cool thing to do. And I, I built some really quick parts trucks, uh, <laughs> and, and we're going to do some more. Here's this guy going, what would you do? And I said, well, I, I'd go 200 miles an hour with a pickup truck at Bonneville. That's what I would do. How would you do it? Well, I take one of my marine big block Chevys, that'll go twin turbo, put hot manifolds on it, put it in a half ton short bed, and the thing
2: go up there and run 200 on the starter motor. What year was this going on? Around '89. So this is so right before basically Ford Lightnings and 454 SS Chevy full size trucks. It's sort of. A little bit on the Bleedy Edge before those okay, came out.
3: Okay, so you just spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> the 454 Chevy. So we're having this meeting at the GM building, and the marketing guys are there. We have agreed. We even did underhood drawings of the engine, injected, big block, twin turbo, beautiful on, on this half ton. We're in the meeting, and the G- Chevy guys go, half-ton performance truck. <laughs> Sounds like Chevrolet to me,
0: and you're like, "Wait a minute, what GMC? What?" Yeah. Right, rides- and
3: I and I said, "Wait, what?" So I and didn't. It, it was like, and the guy says, "You guys only have like 17 percent of the tr- corporate truck market. If anybody's doing a big block sport truck, it's going to be Chevy. You guys do the S15." At that point, I went, "Oh Jesus," you know, I've been doing this Buick thing. I n- I never really liked the V6s. They don't have a nice sound. It's hard <laughs> to find a V6 with a nice sound. I'm sorry, EcoBoost Ford. You, you know, <laughs> I, I, I own a Ford GT. It has a blown V8 in it. It's mid-engine. You know what I'm saying? And it sounds badass. <laughs> this new Ford GT with a V6 does not sound badass.
2: No. Kind of weenie. Sorry. M- meanwhile. sorry, It meanwhile. is
3: fast and quick and looking. Meanwhile, in the shop at so, Banks
2: is my 67 F100 with a Ford EcoBoost. And it's funny because we, we talk uh, about yes, this. Yes, I know, but, but it's got turbos but, on But Gail, it. So, Gail basically that was has my promise, Gail's promised me that his life's mission is to make that truck sound good before it leaves. Wow. So I, I, I have some
3: ideas on the exhaust. <laughs> I've been doing exhausts all my life. So he, he's so. going to he's,
0: he's gonna bolt speakers to it with, with a recording <laughs> no, no, of, his, already, of his no, GT. There we already so talked <laughs>
3: about this. <laughs> There's these cats out of Germany. Eberspacher have the speakers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Honest to God. They, it. Ford already puts those in their F-150s with the EcoBoost. Yeah, right? That's and, a whole other story. And,
3: and probably from Eberschmacher.
2: <laughs> so these guys rip us
3: off. I'm going, oh, my God. S- sorry, Lloyd Royce. You know, he, uh was chief engineer at Buick when we did that deal. You know, I just don't like V6s. So I'd t- uh, given the choice, I'll take a V8. So I went, ah, you know what? At least I can put a couple of turbos on it. So it was gonna be the 4.3 v- V6, which was two cylinders missing on a small block Chevy. That's what it is. I thought, Okay, the architecture I'm familiar with, cylinder head design I'm familiar with, is just missing two holes. There was this guy, Rick Lee, he was a marketing guy at GMC. Everything's settled, I'm going a twin turbo, we're still gonna go 200. This guy calls me up and he says, Gail, I've been thinking about this. We don't build a turbo pickup. How do I market off your turbo pickup? We can't have you turbo the thing. I want it to look like you just bought a showroom stock vehicle, put some speed equipment on it, and went 200. I says, well, first thing is, let's go 175, Rick. You just took away your 200-mile-an-hour thing. He says, we'll be happy with that. Yeah, let's go 175. No one's done that either. The record was like 141. So... We're building a naturally aspirated V6 GMC. We go to the salt. The thing had been tuned at sea level off the trailer. It ran like 173 or something like that. And I tuned it. Finally, some guys from GM were so pissed they left and went home because they knew I was going to blow up the engine. Did you know how I, I was? I, I, it naturally aspirated or was it turbo? Naturally aspirated. We were turning it at like 8,400, 8,500. Wow. So wow. you're doing yeah, you know. 170s with No, na- no, no. We ultimately did a 194 two way. Without wow. turbos. Without turbos. And Whoa. a 199 one way. Oh. <laughs> with oh. the press there, the two liter, liter jets full of press. Once we'd broken the existing yeah. record. And they knew it could be done. But
2: 199, do you yell at your driver and say you had to have that extra Coke, didn't you? Oh, no, like, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no,
3: no, no. It was, it was one of these deals. We had it two ways at 194. It was like a 192 down, a 196 back type of thing. They're going, let's talk. How fast can it go? I said, you just saw it. Can't you do a so I bump the timing a little bit? Uh. We do a one ninety nine. Uh. Uh. Thing comes back into the pits. I was
2: it glowing red at that oh, point. I, I pull the stick, spark. I pull out the spark plugs. Stickers delaminated from it.
3: <laughs> but there was piston on the spark plugs.
0: Oh, oh. so yeah.
3: I went and they're going. You're done. They're just electric. Their hairs on fire. God, two hundred. I said no. Mm-mm. Not there's piston on the spark plugs. You're going home. Yeah. We came back the next year. They turned me loose on compression ratio and some other things. I I, I was asking for from them, went a 204 two-way and a 210 one-way. Nice. So <laughs> that's the GMC Cyclone. We named it the Cyclone the second year.
2: And that truck, so y- y- if you're a truck fan, you may know the Cyclone was a production pickup with a turbo V6, but... That truck that went racing was an extended cab, if I remember correctly, and the production the production truck is not is, not, is a regular. Yeah, car. the
3: reason for the extended cab when we went in the wind tunnel with the truck, uh, that extended cab helped. There's yeah. other stuff. We, we, we did a half tonneau. Yeah, there was other uh, things. To keep it settled down and Trucks and are weird because the- Well, they want to fly the tail. Right. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, the, the weight distribution's
2: so, all wrong and, and you're well, missing the, part yeah, of the body. But the and, arrow yeah. sucks. Yeah.
3: So we did all the cheating we could do within a stock outline of a truck. What happened with a Chevy big block is a 454 SS or, or SS 454, of whichever the sequence is. And I, at one time, owned three of them. A 90, a 91, and a 93. I still have the 90 and the 91. By the way,
2: the interior, red velour. Oh, God. It looks showroom Brand fresh. Brand new. And uh, my grandparents had an 89 GMC Suburban with the same red velour interior. Yes. And I remember, so you, di- different body style truck, but I remember the first time that I saw Gale's Black 454SS with a red interior. And I, I think there's even plastic clings still on su- parts of the interior. I just wanted to sit oh, in on it. on the but, 91. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to sit in it, but I, did, I was afraid to ask because I'm like, I don't want to soil this <laughs> museum. Like, I just want to encase it in plexiglass or amber or something like that. Well, right? the guys at Hot Rod <laughs> asked me,
3: why don't you build the truck that you envisioned to be the Cyclone? So I did. And it was in the, in the Peterson display at SEMA in 91. Yeah. With a twin turbo big
2: block in it. I still want to see it with an L5P in it, but that's just me. Well, yeah, I do
0: too. Yeah. It'll I, happen. If, I'm, uh, if know, I have anything to say about it, it's going to happen.
3: You know, we're I don't of... have anything to say about <laughs> it. <laughs> actually, you have a great deal to say. That's but actually so yours. Now, you guys out there have the backstory of where the hell this 454SS came from and how so, it happened. So, how did that parlay into the Cyclone production truck? So that's the part that really pissed me off. <laughs>
2: okay, now we're, okay, now we're good. Yeah, here's the meat and cheese yeah, right now. Yeah. if you're out there, uh, <laughs>
3: Rickley, the, the, the deal was the 4.3 stock didn't have the performance. So, I, mean, I mean, they wanted to do a sport, a sport truck, a hot rod. So every, everybody pulled their thoughts, and it came out, it had to be turboed, had to be intercoolered, and it was water-coupled intercooling that was with the grip of all-wheel drive one badass street machine at that time it yeah. would zero to 60 in the rain almost as quick as it would in the dry Amazing. you know the all-wheel and, drive. and i
2: remember one of the biggest knocks on it was everybody was like oh it's this super fast pickup it was lowered it had the body kit on it to make it look cool the original ones were yeah. only black although the typhoons the follow-on with the s15 jimmy's you can get i believe in red and maybe white had the tonneau cover for aero, but the entire payload, including driver on those vehicles, was only 500 pounds. Yeah, I know. And so a lot of people were like, oh, it's so fast and awesome. But they took too much truck out of it. It was sort of a, a knock on it. But you didn't get it to half payload, honestly. You probably well, didn't get and, it to have a passenger. And, and then they and,
3: did the Typhoon, the four-door. Yeah. You know,
2: Jay Leno has one
3: that is
2: virtually brand new. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's beautiful. Jay's also a truck guy. I mean, Jay has quite a few. I mean, I would love to get him on the podcast just to talk about some of the cool trucks in his collection or, or oh, maybe yeah. go down and... and take the recorder and do an interview. If there only
0: we knew someone that was that was really friendly and I, close I, with Jay. I yeah. wish we knew somebody who knew Jay. Was, I know, right? Yeah, because I don't, to, I don't, don't know Jay's people. Around. Yeah, we're going to have to call someone who knows someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get to modern day where you're thought of, it, currently, today, I think you're the, kind of the, the Duramax guy. However, well, the you, you've had Cummins, you've had a lot of Power well, Stroke.
2: And I, be, don't, like, I don't want to gloss over the fact that, you know, um, speed records were a big deal for you back in, I mean, you, you had the, the El Mirage stuff, you did yep. the Firebird, you did the Cyclone, but you also did the Dodge um, Dakota Cummins truck, mm. right? Um, and that was actually a, a big deal because that was a full street legal, full interior, but it did some serious speed, had some serious power, and that sort of even we, cemented your trailer. You so, so I'm down in
3: Hermosa uh, Beach, somewhere down one of the beach cities at a Dodge dealer. And I'm. I'm. At a, it's a Saturday, and I'm going to do a talk. Well, there's a guy. A guy ahead of me on the on the deal, and he's an engineer that
2: runs a skunk works at Cummins, John Stang.
3: Did you I, know him?
2: I met him there. You know, it's funny. That's a one more little thing in Gail's life, where this one moment of being at a Saturday dealership talk to guys and ends yeah. up, you know, taking him in a, a different direction.
3: You got to be willing to go there.
2: Uh, he does his talk on their
3: uh, inline six. He was leading the development of the common rail inline six engine and the Cummins V eight. He says, "I I, I want to hang out and I'll run your slide projector, whatever you need. I want I want to hear I want to hear your talk. <laughs> Can I be your PA? Is what he's well, saying? Well, right, no, no, little... I, I, I'm going to hang for your talk. So he did." And then we started chatting afterwards, and I, I had this serious urge uh, back then. Uh, it's around, what, 2000, uh, the year 2000, turn of the century. I want to go 300 with a, with a diesel. So I said to John, I says, Would you be interested in, in talking about going 300 with a Cummins in, in a streamliner at Bonneville? Man, he lights up. And this is a very conservative gentleman. He's a nice guy. Solid
2: guy. And if you know anything about the Cummins people, mm-hmm. it, they're Columbus. Um, they're all like Indiana, that. not Ohio. Indiana. Yeah. It's the middle of a farming community. There's an amazing story about how Classy uh, Cummins and then later um, uh, executives made Columbus, Indiana, a draw to engineering mm-hmm. and things like that. It's a fascinating story. But everybody who is there are true. Middle American, salt of the earth, um, very conservative, yet the company culture and everything at Cummins is, is pretty amazing. We've talked to Steve Sanders on the podcast before. I think everybody loved him. But it's just an amazing place, and, and the workforce and the people who are behind the brand are, are, are really incredible people.
3: Absolutely true.
2: So he says, come
3: back. The engineers are in- interested. I'll let you talk to him. on, a, I think it was a Friday afternoon. So I go back, and we have lunch, and then I talk, and, and – uh, I had quite a room full of engineers. Yeah, They were interest, interested in, in going 300 miles an hour with uh, Cummins diesel. And at the time, Cummins was in deep trouble. The stock was down to 26, 27 bucks uh, after being closer to 100. Uh, the B engine plant was the demand for the Dodge Cummins pickup had
0: ebbed. They needed and, media attention and a solid product. And, yeah. And they—they
3: they, they were working they on the excitement. Uh, they, yeah. they were working on the common rail. Here's the deal. I kind of saw this. Uh, I had kids to send to, to to school and college and what have you. And that takes money. And I saw where they were stock wise. I would have done this for nothing. It, the end was I spent more doing it than because Cummins had no no money. None. Absolutely. N- n- I didn't get a dime from Cummins. We went out and we bought a Dakota. I wanted to do a Klessy Cummins. Yep. Klessy put diesel engines in standard automobiles and drove them all over the United States. That was part and, of his, and proved his brand's that, early, early marketing. Yes. That's he had how a we Cadillac market. that so he I drove said, around. So I said, let's do a Klessy. Let's put a B engine, your common yep. rail, which isn't out yet, but let's prove your common rail. Let's showcase your common rail. And let's drive enthusiasm for Cummins as an advanced company that does young, brash things. Let's find investors to buy Cummins stock that aren't normal, stodgy Cummins investors. Brilliant. Let's find a whole new, and if I can move your stock price by 25 cents, I'll be happy. Well, it was way more than that. They show me their V8. They had two V8
2: engines running. Was that vehicle the early lineage to the current 5-liter Cummins? Yes. This is the beginning This is of the very beginning the of the 5-liter Cummins that you can get in the Nissan Titan XD today Yeah, was birthed back in the early 2000s, and this is... Well, there were two of them
3: running. Mm-hmm. They had one CNC maho- solid mahogany
0: ma-
3: full-scale model engine. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: like, actually, mahogany wood. Yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous, yeah. but yeah.
3: they had guys called model make- makers who would make full-scale wood-based models back then. That would be awesome to have one of those. <laughs> so they they show me the engines. They're on the dyno. They talked. We talked about what turbos to use, uh, various things. And finally, I said, "You got two engines running. You don't know if you have a girl or a boy. You don't know what you got. Yet. <laughs> you know, I I don't want to build this car and go and you know, have anybody embarrassed. So, well, we'll give you the mahogany engine. You can build the car around the mahogany engine. And then we'll have... I said, no, I don't want to do this in three years. I want to do it now. You do have the common rail B engines running. Uh, They are at 305 horsepower, as I recall, was their basic HO tune. And... Working with, with Bosch, you've got an ECU running this thing. We can make this thing really, really work. I love the fact that it was an electronically controlled ECU, Bosch Bosch on Bosch. No I turning believe. up the screw on that one. <laughs> so you could turn up the screw something fierce, and everybody knows it today. Nobody had hot-rodded one of those engines. So they hot-rodded it there. They put a bigger turbo on they got bigger injectors. They made 402 horsepower out of a junk engine. Literally none of the parts in that engine were new they were except some fresh rings and bearings. It was a worn-out dyno engine that they freshened up. The guys came after work to do it for me. They freshened it up. They, they hopped it up to 402 horsepower. They shipped it to us for a dyno comparison. We put it on our engine dyno. And made 405 horsepower, so we knew our dynos matched. We, we was happy. Then we did the cylinder head. Uh, we did a, the side draft intake manifold. We milled the iron manifold off the pre-production cylinder head. You know, <laughs> we we deeply hot rotted the common rail. Two years before we're talking a pickup
2: truck. And you're talking a, truck. like one-off parts that didn't exist, only in that We one. made our
3: own casting. Yeah. Why? Well, still, guys are putting that 5.9 casting on 6.7s today. Mm-hmm. They call them shelf or side draft or whatever the hell they call them. We did them two years before they were in a pickup truck. Yeah. So then we built uh, kind of a tubular exhaust manifold, put a big HX55 variable geometry turbo on it, a big whole set. But before we did the whole set, we left the turbo they used, uh, which I think was an HX40. We gained 135 horsepower with the same turbo at the same exhaust gas temperature and air-fuel ratio. Wow. How did we do, do that? We got more air density into the intake manifold and into the cylinder head and into the cylinders. And we picked up 135 horsepower, same cam. You know, same, 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 same. So the the guys at Cummins went, you couldn't have done that. Can you send us those parts? So we did. You know, the ported head, we had ported the 5.9 head as well. Stock valve sizes, no bigger valves, none of that. We sent the stuff off to them, and they repeated the 135 horsepower gain on their dyno. No kidding. No kidding. I think some of our port work... Kind of aimed them forward. Uh, maybe some of that came in later five nines, and ultimately maybe some of it's in the six seven. They even considered when they did the six seven a divorced intake manifold like we had done, but they didn't do it. Uh, too too much cost addition to do it. You know, you know the deal. We we towed it to our trailer, our pit trailer to Bonneville with the, with the race from Dakota. Yeah. yeah. We put on the racing wheels tires. We changed the rear axle ratio. I turned to this great country western station up there at the time, <laughs> turned it on on a radio, and it took the truck, and I'm driving it to the starting line through the pits. And the officials come pouring out like freaking lemmings <laughs> all over the truck, waving at me, no, no, no. I'm going,
2: stop. <laughs> Why? 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 <laughs>
3: They didn't realize. Oh, by those. the way, I power windows, just like the, our fire because they thought
2: brought. it was the tow vehicle going to the racetrack.
3: <laughs> no, they no? knew no? it was the race vehicle. Oh, they, they did. They said you cannot drive the race vehicle in the pits. Oh, because they want to push cars. I said. I said what? I drove, dude. I said I drove the the race vehicle into the pits hauling a trailer. <laughs> I've taken the trailer off, changed the wheels and tires and the gears. And now I'm driving it to the starting line. By the way, listen to this this guy can play the guitar. You know, and I this you know the sound system. Yeah. yeah. It's a full on street driven truck. We drove it on the hot rod power tour. I have to take a rope through the window, tie it around the roll bar, wrap a shop towel around it so it won't bark up the paint going through the and get towed to the starting what <laughs> yeah what stupid regulation is that that's how that's it is stupid regulation, and it's all volunteers and okay it,
2: it being it just re- is what it is being yeah by the book okay so
3: we started setting records we've set international records and bonneville records and what was the fastest that truck went 222 is our best uh, one way and we did that we were we were building up speed, building building up speed, but I didn't have enough gear in the truck, so we were over-revving yeah. the horsepower peak by 800 RPM. Wow. So I was going to put the gear to it on the return run. Uh, we, what the hell was our two-way average? 217 two-way, I think. Now we were going to put the screw to it and go fast. Pop the pinion mm. right through the gear case on oh, the differential.
2: Yeah. yeah, you're done at that point.
3: Yeah. So it was a, a qu- quick change made by a guy like here in Southern California who later uh, admitted he'd assembled it incorrectly. That truck, we toured it through all the engine plants of Cummins. They'd sh- like shut the plant plant down. They
2: everybody- do that. They'll do that, by and the I, way. Yeah, like-
3: I would do a talk about it yeah. here
2: and there. and. To this day, they'll have new technology, and they will go on plant tours, and they will have a thing where everybody stops working, comes out to really? check out the new technology.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was
2: so cool. Yeah.
3: I was so proud to do it because these guys would go, you know, we feel what you've yeah. done.
2: You want to see pride? Go you talk know? to somebody on a Cummins assembly line. Oh, yeah. True story. Yeah. These guys take so much pride in in hand-building those engines, mm-hmm. and more automation has come in over the years. But I've been to three different Cummins factories now, and I, I got to tell you, like everybody I've ever met, just how proud they are to be part of the Cummins story and work oh, for that company yeah. and the the product that they make. It's 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 really it's really awesome as an outsider to come in and see that. I mean, you you feel it. There's a different vibe. Well, these Cummins are plant. guys
3: who pour iron. I mean, yeah. they, you know, this is basic stuff happening here, within the borders of the United States. Right. So so and the the pride is palpable. After we toured all the facilities, we took the thing over to Auburn Hills and put it in the Chrysler, what do they call it, the Chrysler Tech Center? Yeah, the Tech Center. Put it Put it in the lobby for a week. Yeah. And it was on Chrysler TV, and this is be- before Fiat was involved, or, or Daimler. Yeah. And uh, no, Daimler Road was involved. I remember that because it was in the— it was in the, their display at uh, various auto shows. Didn't you take that truck on like Hot Rod
2: Power Tour? We took
3: it on Power drove Tour. Drove the whole thing, right? What we did on Power Tour was all trucks. Yeah. From time to time, we build what, what we call the Sidewinder All-Terrain. So we had a Bank Sidewinder All-Terrain Chevy, a Ford, a Dodge, and then we had the Dakota. And then, then I had my 90 SS 454 with an 1100 horse twin turbo oh, small that, block. Is that all? that was it <laughs> all pickup trucks awesome and, what a dick and is that all <laughs> all, uh, all of them red except for the SS which was black those are the but my, by the way those, those are, are my you. two car cars I was going to
2: say by yeah. the way if you know Gail um, so funny story when I when we decided to do my 67 oh. F100 <laughs> the truck was Wimbledon white on top and, and like Brittany blue I think is the, the color and uh, I said alright Gail I got the truck Gail looks at it and he goes uh, performance trucks can't be blue <laughs> and because I, I was true. Th- I was thinking like, oh it would be cool kinda of make it, you know, put some wheels on and make it look like a cobra and we no. do blue and white. It's no. That. Gail looked at me. And goes, no, I don't. I don't do blue. I don't do blue trucks. And so, and so it's a true story. Yeah, uh, we, it is we true. Did, we uh, we did not. So uh, when I showed him the the new color uh, scheme when we went with a uh, GM Victory, the Red. the shaming on, of Sean. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> the name G- of this story. GM Victory red on the roof and uh, and uh, Ferrari Grigio on the body. He's like, now that's a truck. Yeah. Goes, that's a truck I can get behind. So anyway,
0: you started m- making huge gains in all in your Fords, in your in your Rams in your Chevys, in the 90s, you know, 150 horsepower, 200 horsepower. Sure. You were the king, and you were so, so far in front of the pack. Yeah. And then it it took people quite a while to catch up.
3: I I made a a couple of elemental mistakes. The first thing I did was after 10 years or so, I took the product to the SEMA show. Mm. Interesting. So that
0: worked against you.
3: Oh, hell Yeah. Now every, everybody, everybody got to yeah. look at what I, what I was doing because everybody's there, right? Rather yeah. than having to buy your part or well, whatever. Well, the you know, average you just... diesel guy didn't go in a speed shop. There was no nothing for him there, you know. And there's a a diesel contingent that at the time was very separated from the gasoline guys. Yeah, huge. It was like you know Chevy and Ford uh, that, that that polarized. So. You, you wouldn't catch a diesel guy in a speed shop. And the guys in the speed shops, diesel was like foreign completely to them.
1: Hmm.
2: It was the stuff of smoke and big-ass trucks and all that jive. We've talked
0: about the diesel, but I, I want to remind people that you're not just diesel, right? Well, we, we set up no. the first hour of the podcast talking about gas turbos. So, no, I think he's not just – Well, the bottom thing.
3: line is there's
0: two threads in my whole career
3: that that remain the same from beginning to end, and it's electronics and turbocharging. The two common themes in my whole career are those two. Depending on when you were in the enthusiast group in my 60 years, you knew me for boats. You knew me for gasoline, turbocharging.
2: Uh, you knew me for turbo kits for the early di- diesel pickups. Uh, there's a period of time where people knew you because you were the RV guy. You made their motor home. That and, was in
0: and the 70s. Them. But and still today. There's yeah, RVs I
2: mean, stacked up here every well, single week. That's I mean, true. like one of the examples But of, they're turbo diesels and
3: gasoline. And we'll
2: talk about like you know. the V10 long tube headers. I think there's a great story in there that, that's sort of a uh, an adjunct that I think is interesting for the truck guy to, because you sort of revolutionized- at least the exhaust system on those engines and sort of were the first person to figure out a a, a inherent flaw that they had that was sort of a like why'd you guys do that you dummies
3: (laughs) well (laughs) they came out with the v10 engine jesus
2: what year Uh, i i can't even recall 90 late 90s eight well the mod motors came out in like 97 or 98 Mm -hmm. so the v10s were around the same time as the mod motor. So it was the 4.6, the 5.4, and the 6.8 V10.
3: Okay, so the 6.8 V10 goes in the motorhomes. Up to then, the Chevy P30 chassis with a big block ruled the motorhome industry, at least for gasoline. And then you had diesel pushers, but not a lot of them. And uh, so Ford comes out with the V10. We were doing long tube headers on the the 4.60 and really waking those things up. Uh, And cold RAM air for air density in, and a a little bit of tuning. So out comes this computer-controlled engine, and I see this thing, and I get a sample engine from Ford, and I look at this thing, I I haven't touched it, but I've gone, Jesus, it looks like they did some intake tuning. Wow, these guys are catching on. And And I remember this vividly, I went home and I couldn't sleep. It was the beginning of my midlife crisis. Had nothing to do with women.
1: <laughs>
3: Had everything to do with the guys in Detroit figuring it out and f- finally taking our opportunity away. Well, that didn't happen.
1: <laughs> so didn't last long. Yeah. So nope.
3: so they continued. We still up. get to yeah. contribute. And the the bottom line was that uh, I came to work uh, and pulled the exhaust manifold off. Off and I w- looked at. It. The entrance into the exhaust manifold and i looked at port on the head and i went this doesn't match
2: <laughs> like and, like and, and
3: literally and, did not and, match and, and, right, right, and, right and then this euphoric thing washed over me this kind of <laughs> yeah. yes exactly angels sang You're right the clouds started all this stuff happened and i went there is a god <laughs> yeah. oh my god this is it thank you and and um my midlife crisis was over. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: so what did you do to solve the problem? And I, I think you were actually surprised that the oh, solution worked they, so well.
3: The cool thing about this was, yeah, I, I've been building headers, long tube headers, since the first fuel crunch. That started a product line, a trademark that we have, Power Pack. I came out with Power Pack for for the big block Chevy in a pickup truck, in a motorhome, and uh, it, it was all about fuel economy. The long tube he- headers helped the engine efficiency. And oh, by the way, it peaked the hell out of the torque. So they worked better. And they got better fuel economy at the same time. The V10 comes out. And now my collector has to have five tubes into it instead of four tubes into it. So I build the collectors, put the engine on the dyno. We run the thing. I, I'm i not getting the torque I was hoping for. I, I started look at the volume of the collector itself, and I went, the velocity's dropping. It's not scavenging properly. The collector is called, a, my term is pulse converter. Pulse enters the collector and, and puts a rarefication on the other, other tubes. So I came up with a piece that went in the center between the tubes. It has five curved shapes like the tubes themselves.
0: We have to put up a. We got to put up a picture of this because yeah. it's very hard to describe it unless yeah. you see it.
2: It's it's sort of like if, it, it, imagine it, five five tubes entering one, just by themselves, cut off, and then imagining one that the the center of those five tubes. Are spoked in a way that has like a long shape that helps, I guess, smooth out the airflow. It's, it's very, I, it's I very phallic. I call it. I call
3: it the power pickle.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Honest so,
3: to God,
0: <laughs> so does Jay. That's <laughs> what yes, I call yeah, it. And, I honey, I, I I've invented the power pickle. <laughs> what? Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> Anyhow, what happened was the damn thing came to life. So then, I, then I started dealing with this is kind of blue, Uh, the depth the the power pickle was into the collector. And and, and I found out that you could tune it that way. So I tuned him, you know, made, made him slippable (laughs) <laughs> Until I found the sweet spot. Yes. Okay. And then that's where we walled them you in. You can't see so Are with we the, talking about
2: trucks? Anymore? You can't see Gail with the, uh, the, the
3: air, air quotes. quotes. Oh, I had a a, a a young lady working in the marketing group who had real trouble with the <laughs> name Power Pickle. Power Pickle. Yeah. She told me very vocal about it.
2: I held my ground and.
3: In our advertising, we call it Power Pickle.
2: So what was the end result of the Power Pickle? I got a
3: United States patent on it. It's that unique. It works that well. Honest to God. It doesn't say Power Pickle on the patent, though. (laughs) But I use the same thing in an inline-six Jeep uh, collector. We we do a header for the inline-six Jeep I call a revolver. It's a six-tube collector. And instead of the Power Pickle in the middle, which I tried with six tubes, I put the sixth tube in the center. It actually protrudes partway into the collector and serves the same purpose. So I got the torque curve of a set of triwise and the upper end of, of a normal
2: header. Well, oh, what did you call that? The revolver. The revolver. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not as cool as Power now, Pickle. Yeah. yeah, Power Pickle yeah. is just... Uh... <laughs>
0: It it has to do
3: with how the firing order revolves around in that collector.
0: That takes me into your process of of R&D. And there are those companies that um, you compete with now that race to market with a lot of product. And you want to make – you won't release stuff until it's better, until it performs. You're not – it's very interesting, you know. I, so, I, when you go so, to SEMA, it's like we're debuting this. We're doing for this 2019 truck, for this 2020 vehicle, and and, and I think you're like, not in I'm not in any hurry to just throw against the wall. Well, the, like, the, diff, the bank's yeah. difference is that banks is an
2: engineering company first. I think I think that it's has absolutely a lot to do true. That's it. absolutely true. The, well, the the mothership of banks power is Gail Banks Engineering.
3: There's a huge difference, and it's really elemental. And and I'm not going to beat my drum. Other than to say, in the aftermarket, there's one company that also is in the endurance engine business and has been all the way back to the beginning 60 years ago. We are engine people. We're not guys who make plastic and do an air intake and just kick it out in the market. We're not guys who just build an exhaust system. I care about, we care about the endurance of the engine with the bank's equipment on it. Two things have to happen. It has to outperform any other product on the market, and we extensively test to make that happen. But the bigger thing is it has to honor the host vehicle. I'm not going to take your money and then break your ride. No damn way. We know that your ride will survive with our equipment on it, And as we get into the the new tuning the new engines, we've got a new tuner, the Derringer, that's quite popular with the L5P crowd because nobody cracked the ECU. So we did it as we did it back 20 years ago when when we came out with the six-gun tuners and the economine tuners that we still sell today. The inline tuning on all of those has two aspects— if the tuner fails, the vehicle doesn't. In other words, it fails, and there's no progressive failure or engine code set or derate of the engine down to 25 horsepower when you're passing a semi. The deal here is, if we f- ever fail in any way, we take ourselves out, and, and your stock doesn't. You know, well, the other part of it is what we call active tuning. If if you throw a tune tune up at sea level. At a vehicle, and and that's your fixed tune-up. Tune it, it, it's not variable. It's what it does. You plug it in, that's what it does. And you go to high altitude, or you have a really super hot day, it doesn't know. How could it know? Ever since there's been an OBD connector, we, we've plugged into there to get all that information and make our tuning decisions. We call it active tuning. So active safety pre- prevents failure, and active tuning, adaptive tuning, gives you the most power you can safely make under those circumstances.
2: And I'll also add that um, electronics aside, uh, I had a chance to walk around the shop today before we recorded the podcast, and we were looking at a product that you were in the middle of r and D and it was an exhaust on one of the late model pickups, and you were concerned and want to make sure that there are heat shields to keep the regen heat away from the shocks and the spare tire. I mean that's that's the level of commitment you have to the rest of the vehicle. You're not just shoving an exhaust on and saying, hey, if your tire, you know, gets damaged from heat, we don't care, it's not us, or if your shock fades because the shock oils Two hundred degrees hotter on the <laughs> on, uh, one on the one side, yeah. right? And, and yeah. so those are things that you take into account. It's a it's a holistic whole vehicle approach. It's not just the electronics, or it's not just the tune. You want your customers to be able to enjoy their entire vehicle and and not cause an issue to other things down the line that are same f- thing. And, and
0: by the way, not just that, it's, it's the environment as well. With the cool cuff, for example, the, the way of pulling cool air into uh you know a diesel exhaust to make sure that during regen. It's not 800 degrees coming out the tailpipe light, you know, yep. lighting your dog on fire who yes. happens to walk behind. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that's what oh, By, by the way, that's <laughs> a, Yeah, dogs <laughs> or your wife's nylon, Right, yeah. right. So, you know, don't walk by that
2: truck. Yeah.
3: The, 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 the key to me is getting guys to come to work here who are younger. There's generations of people working here. The fan base or the uh, purchasers, they come into the market and then they leave the market. The, the average dur- duration of, of, of a reader of Truck Trend Magazine is about four years, maybe five, and they're in and out. What we've always done is through all the damn recessions, there's a new opportunity coming out of every one of them. And, you know, it's same today. And getting young guys in here who will shock the out of me (laughs) with their ideas sit in a this room where we're at right now and go hey have you ever thought
0: about doing this and i'll go holy no i haven't well you just the other day you've got a new guy eric out in the cad department and he he, i know i don't exactly know the situation but you walked in you goes this eric guy he's a find because he 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 was researching some products some competitive analysis and and you were glowing when you walked in you're like This guy this guy yeah you were very impressed and he's he's one of the youngest on the team here's
3: the deal here's the deal eric's mother is my oldest daughter did you know that
0: i i don't i've not told anybody here but
3: i learned that today (laughs) (laughs) he's not my oldest grandchild but he's i'm proud of him but i'm also they live way far away i've gone to a few of his basketball games He's a
2: baller. Man. What a great opportunity to work you know, with your grandpa. He's tall. Though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's very. He's actually taller than Gail, and Gail's tall. Yeah. So the the bottom line being, I didn't tell you he's my grandkid.
3: I haven't. Well, now I'm going to treat him differently. That yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, don't, don't. Please. I'm don't. kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, my daughter is. You know, Liz yeah. is, is our. Ops manager for our military engine business, which is Banks Tech. Well, that, that's a whole other thing to talk this about. Business. This is
2: this is truly a family business. Um, this isn't a company that was bought out by some investors. This isn't a company— And, by the way, and they have
0: tried. R- right. And, and this it, man
2: is like, I can do it better yesterday. than you can do. Yesterday, Yesterday. Yeah. And, and, and this, yesterday. Co- and this no. company isn't one of those companies that the founder has moved on and retired and has lost its way. Gail literally comes into work every single day, touches every single product, touches every single project in this place. And uh, and it's it's family owned and, and things are made here in the US. So I I think I think that's a a great place to take a pause. I'd love to get into uh, some mail and then we'll end with Gail because I think we have a kind of a okay. cool segment for you I that, think that it, we'll yes. have we'll have some fun with.
0: Uh, so email time. Let's do it. You email, yeah. I email do it. We email That's right. Everybody email Type it up, you email proofread. We've you got to live it. Go Holman, go Holman, still dancing, still dancing. Still dancing. <laughs> you are John Travolta.
2: That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Gail's one of our few in, quote-unquote
0: in-studio guests, so yeah. Yeah. he gets to see uh, our antics just behind the embarrassing. Mic. <laughs> <laughs> we know, we know, we like it. Yeah, that's
2: why we do it. <laughs>
0: Are you starting my starting? I'll go, I'll go. I got uh
2: from, right. from Richard says, Hey, Lightning and Holman, I've listened to the show from the beginning and my favorite is the photography Raptor episode. Since I started listening, I've had this urge to get a truck. I have a Jeep XJ on 35s now. So now I'm looking to get a Raptor. My wife, while all in for me getting a Raptor, she still rolls her eyes every time I talk about one or when I'm checking out one on the street. So I'll go ahead and just blame you guys for it. And of course, keep up the good work. Also, I'll take a large. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes.
0: All right, uh, this one is from Justin. Hey, guys, my name is Justin from outside of Houston. I'm a police officer and came across your podcast a while back. I've been into diesels my whole life and have always used working on them as a way to relax. I currently have a 2018 Duramax and a 1992 Dodge W350 with a 12 valve Cummins in it. I've really enjoyed your uh, podcast because I'm learning so much about the newer diesels and the new performance parts that are coming out that are geared towards not deleting the new ones. I also enjoy all the interviews you guys do, and your guests are great. Thank you. Of course, today's even better. Um, the songs also crack me up. He <laughs> likes our, our jingles. I just wanted to say, keep it up. You guys are doing a great job, and you make my shift go so much faster. I attached a few pictures of my current daily driver and my project truck. Oh, and I'm an XL on that shirt, by the way. Of <laughs> course. Cool. So he's, he's got a picture of his uh, his new D-Max and his old uh, let Dodge me, let me attached see right
2: there. Yep, Gale approves. I. Uh,
3: looks like it's a black truck guys just like yours <laughs> yeah. Yeah. look at the ram on the bottom Great though
2: taste man first generation oh i love the, the flatbed yeah 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 all right i got one from uh, vance here vance says hello my name is vance from iowa i just listened to episode 17 where you're talking about drive throughs and if anyone ever got stuck in one well me and my couple friends kind of did It was like midnight, and we just decided to go to Taco Bell. I feel like all these stories surround Taco Bell, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we drove in a friend's 80 Chevy three-quarter ton. It had a mild 350 with long tubes and straight-piped exhaust, it was loud as (laughs) s. Well, he shut it off so we could order, but it wouldn't restart. So we hopped out of the back and ended up push-starting it backwards in the drive-through. It was a four-speed on 37s. The people at the window thought it was funny as we did. That's the best story I got. Thanks, Vance. Also, if you got access to a tent store, my T-shirt size is 5X. But uh, we got if, some, not, uh, if not if not that's okay.
0: We got some big boys listening, so we're yeah. gonna have to make some big shirts. So, Gail, the back story is that we were talking about uh, funny stories of being uh, trapped in a in a drive-through in a truck because yeah. they don't make drive-throughs. Whether it's, it's a Fit truck, McDonald's, a Starbucks, yeah. a Taco Bell, and you know, and Holman like a, a douche nozzle over here <laughs> tries to drive a trailer through a uh, a, a drive. <laughs>
2: I I, I I I, tra- I, uh, I trailerd a a U haul trailer with my old flatbed on it, 102 inch. it wide. Yeah, it was through, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was through uh, Arby's in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Oh my god, <laughs> it
3: didn't work. Did no, it worked. Absolutely worked. You, I just took out some forced bushes. it. I made it <laughs> yeah, work. A little bit of
0: stucco here and there. <laughs> so this one is, uh, let's see. This one's by, it's from Tim. He's a frequent writer on the show. Uh, to the show, and he says, witnessed somewhere off of the I eighty four near downtown Hartford, Connecticut. <clears throat> I've never seen anything like this. And he says, how do you like your custom full size sleeper cab? Vendora flatbed dually, or is it a custom Chevy Vendora sleeper cab one ton dually flatbed? It's weird or he, Yeah, he says it's a it's a gasoline V eight because the guy really revs it to the max, merging uh, with uh, maximizing his merging potential. Wish we had more picks, but I was driving my truck, of course, and the traffic was heavy and in their favor. This guy needs a truck show podcast shirt and maybe something. And look look at this thing he. Uh, Look at the scale. Look at this bizarre so weird. hybrid looking. What is that beast? We've got to post a picture of it. That's this an aero study.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that one's not the, going 200. This Bonneville. looks like I'd, I'd, two Andy Gumps. Two, yeah, side by side. Two two outhouses next yeah. Yeah, yeah. to each other. It's like two outhouses behind a uh, van. Behind cab the or cab. But it's tall. Yeah. I, we'll,
0: we'll post a picture. Yeah, and Tim yeah. says, I'm a large, by the way. So, yeah, we got a uh, large. All right,
2: so uh, we've got a few reviews on iTunes, which are pretty good. So, uh, we have uh, Mick VZW. The best part is the 15 second skip ahead button to skip through the ridiculous little songs for the features. Oh, ha ha. How
0: dare you. Oh, ha ha.
2: Not kidding. Oh. Five star. Oh,
1: <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> and uh, by the way, some a hole out there gave us a one star. Another one? Yeah, we have three now. Uh, why? why? I don't know. Like, listen, don't listen to the show. Just, just don't listen. Yeah. Don't ding us. Yeah, what a, what a bunch of. Anyway, but we have a ton of five stars. Here's another one. Bloombee writes. The jingles, the banter, and the info. What more could you ask for from this podcast? It's awesome if you're even kind of interested in trucks or if you're just in it for the awesome jingles. It's a great place to be. <laughs> Keep up the great this work, is go Five stars. Uh, This is going uh, to go no, to no. Yeah, so, Gail, we do um, the, uh, the
0: super bro thing where we high-five. <laughs> we, we, right we high-five down. after. We everybody. realize it's yeah. super bro. I yeah. see it going down, right? <laughs> yeah, right in front of your face. Yeah, yes.
2: so uh, WJ Mitch says, Great podcast so far, guys. I was worried it was strictly trucks only, but I'm glad off-roading Jeeps and much more is introduced and talked about. Always keeping things interesting and funny. Love listening to the stories. It makes my drive to work better. Keep up the good work. Five star. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, There we go. Uh, And we've got uh, audiophile Fred. Love the pod. More diesel, please. So we're... uh, Fred, we hear you? And we're handled. Five star. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of diesel. Oh, man. And then we've got... uh, uh kindra d19 says i ran across the truck show podcast earlier this year when i was driving cross country from maryland to colorado and then back again the episodes were fun informative and really kept me awake and attentive now that i'm not on the road i still try to get an episode in here and there so i can be caught up love 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 it five star and our last yes. one yes big 309 the truck show is easily one of my favorite podcasts keep up the great work guys Star! So, Thank thanks everybody for uh, for listening. We appreciate your subscription. We appreciate your reviews. Uh, find us in all the major spots: uh, Spotify and iTunes and Google Play
0: and. All everywhere. those fun places, so. everywhere, everywhere. All right, so I'm excited about this next segment. Yeah, So me too. what it is, Gail, is we're going to we're going to play the intro, and after the intro, um, we're going to bring up uh, let's call it five topics, and we're going to whiz through these five topics. Mm-hmm. And you're you're a police officer, and you're playing the role of of, of a of a detective. Of, of you're coming down, we want you to correct this bad behavior, the violation. You're going to give, yeah, you're going to issue citations, as it were. Yes. All right, so, this verbal. Is, yeah. Yes, so ver- yeah. verbal, yeah. So verbal. Here here we go.
3: This is the city. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, (laughs) the story you are about to hear is true. The names have not been changed to protect the innocent. One man defending the diesel community against hot air, low density, and worthless bolt ons that waste your money. (laughs) He is Gail Banks, diesel detective. Do (laughs) do I get a police dog? (laughs) Sure, why not? You can have whatever you like. Whatever you like. First thing is hot air on a stick. Yeah. Hot air on a stick. What are guys doing? Let's explain hot air on a stick. Cold air is
3: power. Hot air isn't. So what what sort of jackass puts a filter on, on a stick under the hood of his car? If you open the hood of your car or truck and you see the filter unadorned or with a little picket fence around it it's getting hot air whether or not it has that leaky fence around it picture this if the guy put a fence around it it's
0: getting hot restricted air not it, good uh, yeah not good so There's, the fact that you have a big filter under your hood does not equal power. It equals your it, sucking it in. It doesn't well, even and equal and stock I, in most here's cases. Here's what I think we
2: need to do, too, is we need to define cold air. I think people think as cold air as being chilled air. No, cold air is cooler than ambient temperature. So the idea being... Well, even cooler than the ambient under the hood. Right. So if you're in a 100-degree day... Under your hood's probably 200 degrees. Why would you pull in 200-degree air if you could pull from under the bumper and well, pull in 100-degree air?
3: Knowing you probably lose thing of approaching 10% of your power.
2: I mean, that's— I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think people
3: think, oh, it's so, already
2: hot outside. I'm not gaining but that the engine runs at such a different temperature than the ambient outside air or underhood temps that that difference of, of pulling here, in 100-degree air okay, versus 200 it, makes a big difference. Here's
3: the law. Colder air is better than hot air. Period. Higher
2: pressure. Do we have error. a gavel? Can we? I, I end need, the case? no. No.
0: All oh. I need. It, all I have is. Uh...
2: No, not for Gale For. Oh, no <laughs> I'm no! I'm not buzzing Gail. Do that again.
0: <laughs> that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, So, all right. Sir, if uh, you have a, if you have a long tube and there's a filter at the end of it and it's under your. Hood, That's a filter on a stick. That is yeah. a. That is a hot air. But guys
3: put device. superchargers. I see them at the SEMA yeah. show. One year, a couple of years ago. I went through the aisles and photographed everyone I could find. Why are you supercharging when you're unsupercharging by putting that damn thing in hot air? It's ridiculous. I can tell that that you are. You you go to jail. I can tell that Gail (laughs) is super
2: super pumped at this topic and super emotional. So uh, we're going to get into another topic here. Next one is
3: rolling coal. Oh, my. Where do you start? With an IQ test.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Next one is air well, No, 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 go back, go back. We're not, no, we're not done. I, I think... Here's it. the
3: deal. Yeah. Somewhere in the Old Testament, it says, <laughs> I don't know what book, I don't know what chapter, I don't know what verse, but it's in there. And it says, if you inject fuel into your diesel engine, you, by God, burn it in the engine. You don't make little briquettes and put them out into the atmosphere. That's
2: power you can see but not feel. Why would you do that? So, bottom line, that's a loss in efficiency and opportunity to have more horsepower. If you're rolling coal, you're essentially taking— You don't have enough air in the engine. Right. You, air density in the cylinder— so, so there's so much more potential you're making, that you're not
3: doing. Yeah. That's the potential you lost. Visibly. Every, Visible Every freaking record we've set with the diesel, and there's been two, you know, diesel dragster, diesel pro stock truck, uh, and then the Bonneville truck. Those are three significant records we held, in the case of Bonneville truck, for 10 years. The bottom line is none of them blew smoke. All of them set records against guys who blew smoke. Now, if you think blowing smoke is a
2: sign of manhood, sorry, pal, you're the loser, not the winner. Exactly. All right, next next topic, air density. I know this is one you're really passionate about, too.
3: Yeah, yeah. Your opportunity from nature is the, the weight of the air, the air mass per cubic foot. Your engine's pump cfm cubic feet per minute how much oxygen is in each cubic foot you there's an air fuel ratio if if you want to put in more fuel and use it in the engine like god intended you need the air how do you measure that with a boost gauge uh-uh that's only
2: part of it gail has a has a saying the boost gauge is lying to you i it actually yeah. have a new a it new, only tells part of the story well, no the boost gauge it, is dead oh, well, <laughs> no well no i boost didn't have
3: gauge is stone age Ooh, Ooh, I, I have heard that one We're going to own that hashtag. Yeah, yeah. That hashtag. Yeah. There, there it is. is. So we can we get it? We'll That's see if it. We can get I like that. the yeah, way we'll you say it. that.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing the commercial. Okay. So this shouldn't, shouldn't be a commercial. The key to the first engine I hot-rodded, a 31 Ford four-cylinder, I converted to overhead valves. Why? More air density in the cylinder.
2: Damn it. Yes. Yes. I, yeah.
3: I had two carburetors instead of one. Why? More air density in the cylinder. So why do you supercharge? More air density in the cylinder. Why do you turbocharge? More air density in the cylinder. How do you measure it? The gauge doesn't exist. Mm. Oh, that's not
1: true. Aha. <laughs> that's not true. Dun, dun,
3: dun. <laughs> it's, it does exist now. It's the I-1.8 yeah. uh, And it measures ambient air density. That's your opportunity per thousand cubic feet. It measures boost air density. That's the job that has been done by the turbocharger, supercharger, and intercooler. And it also measures the final result, manifold air density. Not manifold air pressure, manifold air density. How many pounds of air per cubic foot? How many cubic feet does the engine pump? Now you know, if you know the air-fuel ratio, you, you can calculate the horsepower without a dyno. If you're a g- guy hot-rodding anything in any form, then you're improving air density or you aren't. I have the gauge to measure That's the message
0: bankspower.com slash i dash <laughs> oh really yes oh okay yes. so please, oh, that's please cool. visit wow. that address yes now this. Oh. all right so if you're the bo- oh, so here's the thing gail is commissioner who is detective right the, the detective okay. so if you're if you're doing something like hot air on a stick and you're hurting your your engine's own air density you're you're detracting from that how yeah. dare you <laughs> all right so here's, here's, here's go to one. jail here's the next that topic sounds
2: flatulent What's that? Do it again. Oh, yeah. Right. That's, just that's, not, that's not enough air. I, I do need a gavel. That work. is not enough you're, air
0: density. Yeah, yeah. You need to work on that I one. want
2: it heavier yeah, and weightier. Yes, yeah. I, feel like, I feel
0: like that's not satisfying. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I, got, I got it. Yeah, you don't feel better. Huh? I got it. All right, so, okay. So, so if you're hurting your air density?
2: No? No, because that's no, a le- that makes sense either. That's what's the uh, the thing you're telling us: are, uh, granules of water per pound, grains, grains, of, grains, water. Of, water? grains of water. That's for yeah. Yeah, so that's for yeah, that's <laughs> for grains of water. <laughs> All right, so here's a big topic that uh, that we want you to uh, to briefly uh, uh, talk about, and it's the uh, misappropriation of turbo. So wrong turbo sizing for the application. <laughs> well, everyone, is I know this big, is a favorite of yours. Everybody's bigger turbo is better. Not always the case, right? Yeah. Just look at diesel power challenge at altitude, where people can't get their, their turbos to spool because they don't have their setup and their tune right.
3: Yeah. You're able to measure the air density increase across a, a turbo. Uh, you just measure the temperature and pressure in and temperature. And, pre- and the I-dash, our little super gauge, calculates it and tells you. So you, you'll know if the turbo is too big or too small. If, you, if the turbo's too big, it won't be making the air density when you need, need it. You, you don't have enough drive pressure, exhaust energy to spin the pup up. So guys will reef on them. They'll jazz the fuel. A lot of black smoke. Throw yeah, They're Trying to get enough energy in, in the turbine housing to get the damn thing to spool up. You're yep. way off a proper match. But they're trailer queens. They're dyno queens. These guys... They get up there on the, on the semi-trailer with the dyno built into it, and they do a three or a five-second or whatever pull, and a lot of them launch the engine right there. Which is awesome. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Every single it's time. It's <laughs> w- w- wonder, wonderful to see. I'm sure it's cool to watch Sounds it, uh, it cool. all go down. But what's the valuable f- final product other than
2: entertainment? Where do you use that? Uh, it's called bragging on the internet.
1: Yeah, That's <laughs> right. Yeah, right. That's I about mean, that, it. That's what it is. That's about I mean,
2: it. That's why, I, I, listen, I'm but you all... But you didn't go anywhere. Well, that's my point. So so my you whole know. deal is I, I appreciate the guys on the dyno trying to make power, all the good stuff. Right. I, that's, that's cool, fun. It's good bragging. But there's just something I like a little bit more about the drag racers or the sled pullers, especially the sled pullers, because mm-hmm. those guys are working the whole truck suspension driveline transmission hell yeah and putting the power to the ground so gotta love it before i ever knew about sled pulling i'd never watched it didn't care i'm like oh that's just something a bunch of hillbillies do the first time i ever really watched a sled pull competition i was hooked i was like wow this is awesome like exactly these these guys are working and then of course drag racing is always fun to watch so to me the dyno thing is like yeah you can you know uh, no pun intended. Blow smoke at each other or whatever, and brag online, and <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Okay, whatever you, you have, twenty-two, you know, hundred pound feet of torque, whatever. Uh, that's that's exciting. That's fun. That's cool to watch. But it's to me, it's just like a little side deal. I rather see the guy working the truck with a sled pull. I rather see a guy working the truck with a drag race. And to me, it's more meaningful. It's more mm-hmm. fun, and and mm-hmm. it's more. Uh, I don't know, it's more of a 360, if you will, of the whole truck performance, so. um, uh, And then the last topic I think we'll leave to you, Gail. What's a pet peeve that we haven't talked about that if a guy is tuning, I don't care if it's gas or diesel, but uh, if they're tuning, what's another thing to look out for, a mistake that everybody makes that you'd want to address? Okay. Spread your wisdom. It's just comparing boost. Guys who are
3: really great engine builders, I just bought... An engine, a crate engine from GM called a B15. It's an LS. It was rated up to 15 pounds of boost. Hmm. Please, GM, that's not the rating. The rating is it's rated up to, to a certain intake manifold air density. 15 pounds of boost with no intercooling. It was far different from 15 pounds of boost with really excellent intercooler that'd be
2: an interesting test would be to do the number being 15 pounds of boost but change the temperature change whether or not there's an intercooler and then measure that and just see because i've always heard a rumor and then maybe you can tell me Mm because i I don't know if this is true i've always heard that if gm has a crate motor and the crate motor is listed at it's a 500 horsepower crate motor Mm -hmm. it's a 550 horsepower crate motor that GM essentially builds those to that power number. They're not really meant to go beyond that, and so people start bolting on turbos or superchargers and blow them apart because they were meant to be normally aspirated at that at that power level. And so I see, I've heard that's a mistake that people make. But I would be interesting to test that theory on the ones that are that are set, you know, that are okayed by GM to put superchargers. So, so I've got forced build, air turbos
3: in there. The 376-inch LSs,
2: they have a B8 and
3: a B-15, so I bought the B-15, we're going to twin-turbo it, and we can do exactly what you're talking about, and I'll come back on here and tell all about it. Similarly, you could do the same thing on a diesel, with or without intercooling, wrong compressor match. The beauty of knowing the manifold air density and the ambient air, air density is you... Air, ambient air density is your power opportunity. Manifold air density is what you did with that opportunity. Do you know what the hell you're doing or not? Did you just put the billet wheel in your compressors or compressor and it made less air density at the same boost? They Who don't, knows? There's, I don't think many people know. There's no bullshit meter out there. This thing is a bullshit meter, it will measure the bogosity of the claim. Oh, gosh. You know. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so know, so here's the all deal. All day I, long. I, the, I, uh, you, the guy testing his engine with our $280 gauge will know more than the guy who, who sold him the damn turbo in the first
2: place. I'm a little bit worried. I'm really worried now. Bec- because well, this no, thing. Be- because Gail put two of those in my truck. So if my bogosity, if I'm walking around with two bogosity meters, then uh, then uh, I might be in trouble. <laughs> I mean, listen, guys like us are super lucky because we get to have a relationship with a guy like Gail. And uh, I've known I've known Gail for 15, 16 years now. And uh, and honestly, he's he's been a mentor to me, and, and the fact that I have a friendship with him, and and we see each other on a regular basis, and it's you know, cool. We'll go to it we'll go cool. to breakfast, we'll go to lunch, we'll, we'll solve all the world's problems, and then forget about it when we leave. <laughs> um, but but honestly, having that relationship, I really appreciate it. I, I think Jay's lucky to to be able to work with you and and kind of see you in action. And and honestly, I'm as excited about your career now as i was when i started this you know 15 years ago and uh, and gail knows the story but in my auto shop high school auto shop classroom gmc at the auto shows you know the auto shows used to have posters and stuff right so when, as a kid we go to auto show we pull yeah. out like 500 posters one of the posters was the gmc cyclone world speed truck and it's hanging on was hanging on the wall of our auto shop class so when I was probably 15 or 16 was the first time that I really got to know Banks because I was like, whoa, what's, there's a pickup truck and it, it, it went over 100 miles an right. hour. That's right. awesome, right? And, right? and to be in a career where I get to interact with them and 200. know them personally and 200 miles an hour. Yeah. It, it just, it, it, it means a lot to me and I, we appreciate you coming on the show today. It's awesome. Absolutely. Wow. And we, we didn't even scratch the surface.
0: No, I have there's a whole so page of about. notes that we didn't even I get know. to. The coolest oh. thing
2: for me,
3: when I was a, a kid, I didn't hang out with the other kids because they didn't know anything more you can learn anything they didn't know shit. yeah and i didn't know shit. i hung out with the old guys and they knew shit. so i'm paying it forward Whether, whatever current catchy to, uh, phrase there is paying it I, forward i think, I, think you pay, got yeah, it, yeah. I i i enjoy doing it and selfishly hanging with you hanging with kennedy jay you guys give me ideas
2: That's awesome. It is. It works. That's awesome. You know, the the deal is, it is a two-way street. The moral of that story, honestly, and I— Find a mentor, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Jay and I have— Don't uh, be shy. We've read emails on the air. We've tried to give advice to younger guys who have written us. Uh, We've talked about vocations and and vocational school and, and, you know, how you're passionate about that. I'm passionate about the fact that vocation education has gone away. Um, but I, I think beyond all that kind of stuff, the number one thing that I would give advice to a younger guy, whatever it is, whether you're in the automotive or you're in truck, whatever you're passionate about, find an old guy who knows. And, and I, I think that, uh, we don't honor our older generations the way we should. And I think that there's a lot of that institutional knowledge, if you will, that goes out the door (laughs) because you never get the opportunity to learn from them. And I think if you're a young guy out there, Go find somebody awesome and hang out with. You're them. not well, going to find that deal stuff on the, the internet. It. Here's the deal about or on the an old po- guy who truck knows. show
3: podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an old guy who knows may look like, hey, he's just sitting over there, he's not doing much. Or when you talk, talk to him off subject, oh, how's the weather? This and that. It's, it's not exciting for him if he's a gearhead of any stripe, and you ask him about his love. Lights up. There yeah. is no age difference now between you and him. You're the same frickin' age. You you go into the ground at Gearhead. I'm telling you. He'll light off, he'll tell you stuff, he knows it. He, he's like me, I have screwed up so many times in life that I probably know more that I've learned by screwing up than you do.
0: Gail's forgotten. I'm forgotten no, no, more than I've no, ever no, no. learned. I hate that term. No, but it's I, so I, true. I yeah. oh, let me, let me uh, tell you. No, hold on. No, no, no. No, 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 no Gail, no, Gail doesn't forget. That's the crazy part. <laughs> no, no, it it have you... Wait, wait. And when he was telling all the stories yeah. in, in this podcast... The names he remembers Every the names of, of his teachers and his mentors yeah. and the and the woman behind the counter <laughs> yeah. that when he went to go when or comes where no, no, the I can't even remember you the damn story railroad, railroad. Wow. but it, yeah the and railroad north. Yeah. Okay, what listen. the hell so I will tell you one of my one of my <laughs> it's amazing when I
2: when I say that Gail and I are friends I I honestly mean it uh, this isn't like oh I just know him from the industry and we get to, you know Gail and I are friends and, and I mean. I will text Gail at like my wife will be. Like, Who are you texting? It's like ten thirty i night. Like and it, uh, she, Gail. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Who's yeah, this Gail? What's she, he wearing? And I'll, and I'll be like, "What's Gail
0: wearing?" <laughs> I don't know. You want a picture? No. Um, it's a so, button, so let me tell you. Button down shirt. Uh, Again, yeah. okay,
2: okay. when I when I say that Gail and our friends, I, I truly mean it. And one of my favorite uh, times that I ever spent with Gail was. <laughs> There's a guy in Beverly Hills who his family uh, got into uh, uh, being affluent through a printing business and real estate and stuff, and he's a famous, uh, a fairly famous guy uh, named Bruce. And he once uh, was the chairperson of the Peterson Automotive Museum. The yeah, the the support group, the Checkered Flag 200. Yeah, and, and he has one of the most amazing private automobile collections that you will ever see. You go. You go there and well, you 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 won't see it because it's private, and that's the point. And right. you walk in and you may say, he you know somebody may go, oh that's a that's a cobra. He's like, that's number one. Or you may say, that's a race car. That one won Le Mans, and that one came number two. Um, yeah, you know, like that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And and he has everything. He has motorcycles. He has European cars, beautiful European cars. Yes. Um, he has hot rods. He has tri- just everything, right? It's just it's just well rounded and and it's truly beautiful. Gail and I had an opportunity to go. And afterwards he said, Hey, go buy the Peterson Automotive Museum, it was right after it had been renovated. And he goes, You guys are on the list, just just go and spend the day there. And so we left his, his his collection, which was amazing. That was already amazing enough. I could have gone home after that gone. Oh my gosh. Gail and I walked through the entire Peterson Automotive Museum from top to bottom. We looked at every single car, we looked at mm-hmm. every single display. And Gail said, "You know why that's cool? Because X Y Z. Do you see that? That guy ripped off that dude's deal and then did that. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll you see, see it, that. Yeah, you see know that. What the history of this? Hey, back then, 100 horsepower per liter was really awesome. It sucks now. I want to do more than that. And yeah. <laughs> and just, I mean, it was just. I wish I would have been recording the whole thing because it's one of the days that that I will take back and just say, man, I, I to to have that breadth of knowledge and and be able to just. It was literally just Gail and I. There was no dose and there was no host. There was no other person. It was." Gail and I got Starbucks and walked around a museum, a car museum. Yeah. And just enjoyed, you enjoyed the hell out of your company and stories. And I wish I remember any of them. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, that is, uh, that's a great show right that's there. That's a great show. I a, awesome. Gail, thank you for hanging out with us. I, mean, I, I really, really appreciate Enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, we're going to do good it good again time. soon. Yeah, good it's time. the Truck Show Podcast. The Truck Show, the Truck Show, the Truck Show, whoa, whoa. Don't forget to hit
2: us up on our socials at Truck Show Podcast or uh, send us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com.
0: I couldn't. I couldn't go through the you know, whole we show. Did, we didn't that. even run
2: that by Gale. Does he even
0: know what mounted parameters are? Because oh, I don't think he does. Let me, let me play the whole thing for him. Hold on. Let's see if I open this program.
2: You'll, you'll love this. So uh, here's your bonus content for the Galasode. <laughs> All it right. Is, yes. Uh, Jay was out at UCC, and uh, this lady was reading live ads, and was spectacularly doing it.
0: Not capacitive. Captive It's <laughs> quick to
2: start and magnetic mount allows you effortlessly mounted, monitored, key
0: engine parameters. Not monitored, mounted. <laughs> mounted and parameters. 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 Yes. So
2: I had uh, somebody at work come up to me the other day and she said, hey, uh, mounted parameters. And, <laughs> and I laughed, right? I'm, it's like funny. So then I was sitting in a conference room and a guy I haven't seen in a while comes by and he knocks on the door while I'm sitting in the conference room and I look up and he points at me and goes, Dude, Mounted Parameters. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> And then I had a third person, I guess I haven't been in the office that much lately, yeah, I who walked not. by and they're like, Hey, when are you doing a Mounted
0: Parameters t shirt? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of our inside joke. Well, not really inside anyone not anymore. Not yeah. anymore. Yeah, so, oh, Gail, thanks again. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks so Good much. Good times.